This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Three hours of skills, solutions, tools, and Ben Wasden, your board operator. Is he well, the board operator on the side? He is the board, B-O-R-E-D, operator. Operating board. He does draw a lot over there. He doodles. Do you notice that? I know. Kind of doesn't pay attention. Also, no, it oh, drives wait. me crazy. It's like, come on, Ben. We're doing a show here. Quit drawing. I think it's weird Like when he... like. Takes out his big sketch pad, leans back, puts yeah. on that beret. The beret thing freaks me out. I mean, what kid wears a beret to work? Right. I actually don't even know what a beret is. Look it up. You'll love it. It's like a green beret. It's a hat. A chapeau. A chapeau. Hey, uh, we got a great show for you today. Um, one of the things that we got to talk about that is our books. All the books are coming out. Yes. And did you hear just in time for Christmas? Ben uh, Ben Carson uh, is is talking about his book that came out in 1990. It's getting a lot of play now. Yes, but apparently there's two Ben Carsons. There's the quiet, soft spoken one running for president, mm-hmm. and then there's the terrorist 14 year old <laughs> that wanted to, to kill people. I saw what was it CNN was trying to uh, talk to the kids that he yeah. had altercations yeah. with, and he and and they, so. In his book in 1990, an autobiography that was called Gifted Hands that they eventually made a movie out of, mm-hmm. Carson describes this uncontrollable pathological temper that he had. Those are big words. Like, yeah. Most people would not vote for an uncontrollable pathological candidate. No. Right? But the stories talk about uh, where he punched a classmate in the face – with his hand wrapped around a lock, a Ooh, padlock. Wow. Yeah. Uh, leaving a bloody three-inch gash in the boy's forehead. He attempted an attack on his mother with a hammer following an argument over clothes. I mean, but who hasn't done that? Mm-hmm. Hurling a large rock at a boy, which broke the youth's glasses and smashed his nose. And finally, listen to this one, thrusting a knife at the belly of his friend, the abdomen Wow. With such force that the blade of the knife snapped when it struck the boy's belt buckle. Ooh. Why is he sharing this? I have no idea. But it's interesting. So when Donald Trump is like, hey, you're, you're kind of a quiet wuss. Okay. He will kill you, Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, is that – He's going to go off. Do you think that's par- uh, maybe it why he's be. so reserved? Well, and- well this, is, yeah, this is why. Then he had a – at 14, he had a moment where he he faced his anger and he had to cure it because he, he wanted to end it so that he could become what he wanted to become, which was a physician. And it was basically a, a come-to-God moment. Wow. Which is probably why he's so successful, right? This is why all of the – the, he has all these fans that have been following him forever is because he overcame his anger. So it's the weirdest thing. He's the first candidate to kind of – I mean how many other kids – do you remember Barack Obama? They're like, didn't you smoke weed? Yeah. Weren't you, weren't you kind of a little weed head in Hawaii? 
I don't want to talk about that. It's actually called Pocololo there. Oh, oh, sorry. Aren't you I, a little Pocololo head? But he wouldn't like – nobody like talked about that right. too openly. And then Jeb Bush in one of the debates just goes ahead and, yeah, sure, moving on. Yeah. The, the funny thing about <laughs> like Obama though – yeah, Obama, Obama none, none of those guys could remember smoking Pocololo. Yeah. But for a different reason. But with Ben Carson, they can't find anyone that knows of any of these situations. So nobody can confirm that any no. of this happened. You'd think somebody would want to say, yeah, OK, I'm the guy you threw the rock at. Huh. But no one's coming out. And I'm, I mean, maybe it's just they weren't smoking Pocololo. Just saying it's different. So what do you think? Do you think it happened or do you? I, I think it happened. I think some of it too though is if you're a 14-year-old boy, you're already kind of hormonal, right? A little so, bit, yeah. So I'm going to bet some of these stories may have seemed more intense than they were. Okay. Right? I mean I, I used to walk to school on Chestnut Street and we'd throw chestnuts at each other. Right. Have you ever seen a chestnut like in its spiky? No. Yeah, it's horrible. Okay. So we do that. But, you know, I didn't decapitate anyone. No. Or have just random violent outbursts. But it felt intense. So Ben Carson, yeah. I mean, huh. it's interesting. It's the first candidate that was actually would actually just come out and tell these stories. And it's probably doing, it's probably helping. Is it humanizing him? It's and yeah, and it's also saying that now that he seems so passive and quiet up there, it doesn't mean he can't rip your head off. I don't know if that's really the message you want to send. <laughs> well, no, but what's interesting is that he's not a wuss. All you're doing is opening Saturday Night Live to make some skit. Oh, that's of a whole you're just other story. randomly beating people up. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's quiet. He's a quiet killer. <laughs> Again, that's another skit. But I, I think I think it's actually it's because now it's he's not just up there being a shy, quiet weakling. Hmm. He's a he's a man that has caught his biggest weakness and fixed it, and is in control of it. That's the story. I, I he's guess telling. it would work if he stays on top of the message. Yeah. If it doesn't get spun out that yeah. he had this path, well, it's going to get he overcame but it's it. going to get spun because everyone else well, is now on the they're now on the band. Everyone's jumping in. Right? Everyone, Everyone's saying something. The big story now is who can talk to the first person that was yeah. one of these kids that he beat up. But I think it's a cool – it's a great – I mean that story moved a lot of people. And then – OK. Then another book out, George Herbert Walker Bush, yeah, 41. Right. I saw some of that this morning. This is crazy. This comes out I guess in a couple days, probably by Friday or so. Uh, he's he he's taken on a few big names like – Chain, It's Cheney and Rumsfeld are the headlines I saw. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't think Rumsfeld s- served his son very well. He thinks he's arrogant. Yeah. <laughs> didn't serve forty three very well. Huh. And he said uh, that Cheney had created his own little empire inside of the White House. That's what people have said. And had usurped way too much power. Isn't that interesting? See, that's what's cool. When you're forty, this is what I'm learning about being a grandpa. Hmm. When you're 41, you can say anything. I mean, when you're president 41, yeah. you can say anything you want. Yeah. He's 90-something years old, isn't Man he? Man jumps out of airplanes. He can do what he wants. That's right. So it's like, I can yeah. say whatever I want. <laughs> what are you going to do? I'm, I'm an ex-president. Has, has uh, George Bush, I guess, Jr., it's not his name, no. but has he said anything? I haven't heard that he said anything. And you know what? He won't. He's what, 43, right? He's 43. Yeah. And then his brother, Jeb, exclamation point, 45. Maybe. It doesn't look that <laughs> no, way. he'll be 46, the... won't he? 
but there's a, there's a trend yeah. in his polling data that uh, shows I know. he has some work to do. But what's I think it's it's cool. What it takes though is about twenty years to be able to tell the whole story. Is that like a statute of limitations type thing, or is yeah. it a people's memories change and it softens the impact when you say, "Okay, yeah, we did all that." Yeah. Well, yeah, you, yeah. You have to just. It has to be timed right. And this isn't. It softens in a way the Bush legacy because then it's kind of like it wasn't just George. Yeah. It was Rumsfeld and Cheney that made a lot of the mistakes up. Right. That that cost the country and you know all of us a lot of headaches. Anyway. Yeah, so fun. there's some great books out there. A lot if of you'd great like to reading. Read. A lot of great reading. And then there's always a book by Donald Trump. Yeah. And he says this the greatest. He is. But uh I guess we got time, but um Ben, what's his name? Who's the uh <laughs> I can't remember his name. Who is uh he? Democrat Bernie. Bernie Sanders. I was keep thinking Ben. Why does Ben remind me of Bernie Sanders? I remind you of a socialist. It's the hair. No, it's yeah. the personality. It's the hair. It's okay. the never-ending wit and charm. <laughs> it's but uh, Bernie now. Did you hear this one? He's coming out. He's not. He's not rolling over on this email thing. Oh, about Hillary's emails. He's now. Yeah, he's saying, now changed his tune a bit, hasn't he? He's like, I'm not. I never. I never said we. Sh-. I don't know that he said that. His people are saying that he, we never said that. We shouldn't. You shouldn't have the investigation. Yeah, the investigation should go through. They should find out what's going on. We never said that. He was really adamant about that. We don't care about your emails. Yeah, like quit talking about the beeping emails. Yeah, yeah. Now things they are a changing. They are a changing. So we'll uh, we'll get to more of this uh, in a bit. Uh, but first, let's go to Terry. Find out what's going on in the rest of the world. Terry, thanks, Matt. A U.S. Of- the, a U.S. official reportedly told CNN Thursday that the Russian plane crash over the Sinai Peninsula in Egypt over the weekend was most likely caused by a bomb planted on the passenger plane by ISIS or an ISIS affiliate. The official said the U.S. intelligence has yet to reach a formal consensus on the cause of the crash, and that left all 224 people aboard dead. But that, the analyst, is pointing towards the cause being a bomb. The British government has suspended all flights to and from the Egypt's Sinai Peninsula over concerns about airport safety, British Foreign Secretary Philip Hammond. We have concluded that there is a significant possibility that that crash was caused by an explosive device on board the aircraft. The crash, which Russia has said was not the result of a terror attack, killed all 224 people. So you see the people are concerned. There's more information coming out as the investigation continues. A suspect at the University of California, Merced, was fatally shot Wednesday morning after stabbing five students on campus. The incident occurred around 8 a.m. Pacific time in a building full of of classrooms and administrative offices. Two victims were reportedly airlifted to a local hospital. A child who was reported missing in Alabama 13 years ago has been found safe and unharmed in Cleveland, Ohio, authorities said. Julian Hernandez was in the legal custody of his mother when he disappeared August 28, 2002. He was five then, and was suspect, it was suspected that his father, Bobby Hernandez, took him as part of a non-custodial parent abduction, according to the uh, police department just south of Birmingham, Alabama. A lead in the case came Sunday when the Vastava Hills police were contacted by the FBI in Cleveland about a missing child. The child... Uh, the missing child they uh, they were able to locate and positively identify as now 18 years old. Julian's mother and family were notified of his recovery. Bobby Hernandez was arrested Monday in connection with the abduction. 
What do you do with a five-year-old kid who's now 18 who doesn't remember his mom? Oh, that's crazy. Tragic. I would love to see a comparison. Did you see – is there – because they had a The a pictures? Picture. Yeah. Do they look like – does it look like him? The one I saw on CNN did. But, I mean, that's you're cool. looking at a five-year-old and then he's but they, So changed, he turned obviously. a five-year-old into what they thought would be about an 18, 15-year-old. Oh, that picture. So, no. Yeah, and I then how close it is. Uh, to, how yeah, close it? We'll have to look and see if that's someone – someone has to have had yeah, that'd that. that'd be cool. They do that all the time. Uh, just a tip for you, Matt. Yeah. Don't mess with Serena Williams' phone. Oh, boy, really? Duh. Serena Williams, tennis star. Yeah. Eating at a restaurant in uh, just the other night, eating some Chinese food Tuesday night. A man stood next to her. Her phone was on the chair next to her. And even though she said she was watching him from the corner of her eye, she at least expected, you know, she was kind of watching. And then she noticed somebody else came up behind her and grabbed her phone. And then he took off. So she stood up. Oh, no. Ran across the restaurant, caught him at the door. Because she's she does wind sprint, yeah. she's trained, oh, she's, she's doing all this stuff for tennis. Yeah, looked at him and she said in a very stern voice. She was when she caught up with him. Williams asked the man in the most menacing yet calm, no nonsense voice I could muster. She said in her Facebook post, um, if he accidentally took the wrong phone, and he thought about it, and and then she said he told her, "Gosh, you know what? I did. It was so confusing in there." Yeah, and then handed her over the phone. She took the phone, returned to the restaurant where she was greeted with a standing ovation. She goes, "I was proud. I showed every man in there that I can stand up to bullies and other men. It was a win for the ladies." After sharing her story, Williams implored her Facebook followers to always listen to as she called her superhero voice. Oh wow! That secondary sort of warning that goes yeah. on—you you have this sort of you know keep your head on a swivel Good type job, situation. Serena. And she you can stand up to any challenges and not be a victim, but be a hero. And maybe next time the guy will try to size up his victim. Well, before how, he steals how many times do you make that innocent mistake where you accidentally pick up some other female's be- some, bejeweled and bedazzled right. phone? But you make the mistake; it's a world class athlete that yeah that'll tear whip you, apart. you up. Yeah. That is awesome. Great uh, great job, Serena Williams. Power. Uh, in fact, it's a perfect segue to our next guest and our next subject. We are going to be talking about um, uh, some interesting uh, research that's being done here at Brigham Young University and other universities about the peacefulness of, of uh, a state or a country or a tribe and the security or the treatment of women. There's some incredible research that shouldn't seem so incredible about the fact that the healthier the women are in the tribe or in the state and the better they're treated in a healthier way with their health care, with their rights, with their, with their own uh, voice and being able to, to be a whole human, the more peaceful the state or the country or the tribe is. If you want more peace in the world, folks, we have to have more secure and healthier treatment of women. And uh, joining us will be uh, doctors Donna Lee Bowen and Lynn Nielsen uh, here from Brigham Young University. They're going to be talking about some of their research, and um, it really, it truly is fascinating, uh, led by Serena Williams. Strong women make stronger countries, and uh, we'll be getting into that. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Um, we've got, we're honored to have a couple of uh, wonderful researchers here from Brigham Young University. And uh, really, when I think about it, this is such a powerful um, topic that we're going to get into right now um, about the treatment of women and um, the treatment of women equals the health of really humanity. And there's some incredible research that's been done here at Brigham Young University and and in other places as well about the fact that uh, there is a correlation between um, how we handle, how we empower the rights, the health of women and the health of a country or a community. You know, our culture has become significantly more conscious of gender roles and stereotypes over the years. And while advances in equality have been made, many claim there still continues to be a disconnect in the treatment of women. And research has shown that this inequality can often lead to a nation's instability. While the United States is more progressive in these regards than other nations, there is still improvement to be made. So joining us today, we have Dr. Donna Bowen from BYU's Political Science Department and Lynn Nielsen from BYU's Statistics Department to tell us more about their research with relationships between female subordination and political order. Uh, Dr. Bowen, Lynn Nielsen, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Matt. Thank you for having us. What a um, what an interesting study, or just an interesting topic you guys have undertaken, huh? Yes. In fact, we claim that we um, created a unique index yeah. that measures the clannishness of a country based on how uh, the women uh, were treated in a marriage uh, system, and so we focused on marriage practices and. Thankfully, our measure correlated heavily with the ones that were proposed by scholars before us and how you measure the clannishness of, of a country or, or of a society. So talk about the word clannishness because clan means something different yes. in like Afghanistan right. than it might here in the United States. No, it means exactly Does it? the same thing. I'm thinking more like Ku Klux Klan. Oh, no, no, not oh, that no. one. Yeah, so oh, different no. kind of clan. <laughs> but 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 a clan then oh, is like a tribe, right? A family? Yes, uh, and we, in, in our article we uh, used the words clan and tribe interchangeably, although our you know anthropologists would say that clan is a smaller, a smaller uh, subset of a of a tribe. tribe. Okay, but when we talk about a clan, we mean the one that comes from a patriline. Yeah, and I'm going to ask Dr. Bowen to uh, discuss that better because patriline is that like well, patriarch? What we're talking about yes, it's a patriarch. It's the system that focuses on the father. And on the role of the father. So when we talk about a tribe or a clan, we're talking about a unit of social organization that's based usually on kinship or on the idea of kinship. Yeah. Sometimes it's a fictional adoption. Right. Like, yeah. like a religious but, kinship. Yeah. And 99.8% of clans are based on male descent. Hmm. And they privilege the role of males and the role of older people. In the social unit, yeah. so in the smallest part, it would be a household. You call, you have a a name for I, I guess there are there healthier patriarchies and less healthy patriarchies. Well, essentially, it depends on what kind of maybe respect, value system respect yeah. is given to every member of the family hmm. of the family in the traditional clan. 
situation or tribal situation, the most honored person in the clan, the one with the most respect and the most power, would be one, uh, the senior male. The senior male. And the least would be the junior women, hmm. and particularly the young women that marry into the family. Yeah, oh, yeah, because they're not of the line. They're not right. of the blood. They're not of the blood. And most of them are just treated as domestic servants when they are the, in, when they leave their natal family and go to the husbands. Uh-huh. And so that is one of the measures or indicators we were looking at. So how do you determine whether a country is clannish or not? Hmm. And so we looked at eight variables. One of them is patrilocality. Um, what is the... Is there an expectation that when a newly married couple, I mean, that they will uh, reside with a groom's family? Okay. And yeah. so that's one. And so he says, okay, if it's patrilocal, then it's probably more likely to be clannish. And the other thing we are looking at is age of marriage. Uh, if young girls, as young as, is it 10 year 12, 12 year olds, are allowed to, wow. be, Even 11. to be. Yes. Then that means that, of course, there's no mutual consent. They, they, they can't choose. It's yeah. more like an arranged marriage. And so we say, okay, if child brides are allowed in this society, then it's probably more clannish than not. And you found, though, if the, if the, if the tribe or the country is more clannish, then it tends to then have a, a less healthy treatment of its women and would be less stable. What what we see is we went the other direction. Okay. We examined the the data that we located from all kind every piece of information we could possibly locate. We have teams of researchers yeah. working with us. And we looked at the age that women marry. We looked at uh, the amount of physical violence. We looked at a number of different characteristics. Another one would be uh, family law, whether women were treated equitably. Yeah, if they had the same rights. Men, if yeah. they could get a divorce, if they got custody of their children, if they had the right to consent to their own marriage. And so when we pulled all this data together, we put together uh, the clan index that Lynn has described. And then we began testing this statistically, and Lynn is our excellent mm. statistician, with measures of global stability and peacefulness, state fragility, state stability. And what we discovered is that the countries that have a severe subordination could be characterized as having a certain percentage of severe subordination. Of women. Of women tended to be the less peaceful and the less resilient. Real, less resilient too, so less yes. able to endure. Right, yes. right. So the stability, so the uh, the the not the subordination. So the subordination, the subordination of women correlates to less stable, less resilient, less peaceful, less peaceful societies. societies. Yes. Well, and again, it's like it makes we we said the same thing with Valerie Hudson. It makes so much sense. It makes sense. Like, duh. It's intuitive. <laughs> These yes. are the women that are raising it's the something. children in her. But before this, there was no empirical evidence. Yeah. Now you have. Yeah. People, okay. It's intuitively this. It is so. But is there any data that's now you have the data? And now we have some data. But you also have probably the pr- prominent database for in women's. Rights and women's stability in the world. We, yes. Yes. We, What's it called? What's the database? Women's stats. It is and the most amazing. Tell us about the database. This is the brainchild of Valerie Hudson. Yes. Who's a 
political scientist at Texas A&M yeah. University and our former colleague at BYU. And Valerie and I taught a class for about 15 years on the uh, – we call it the International Political Economy of Women. But the purpose of the class is to say, what does the fact that women's most important work is not paid in cash mean for women's status? And women, by women's most important work, we mean the bearing and raising of children. Yeah. And this started us on a whole project. But Valerie, who is amazing, put together a research team of student researchers, and now we're building senior faculty members to gather data wow. about every aspect of women's condition. And so this is the database, and these are our amazing researchers at both Texas A&M and BYU <sighs> that pull yeah. the data for right. us. And BYU actually hosts this Women's yeah. Stats da- database. What it, what, what's the website if somebody wants to go look at that? It's womenstats.org. Woman with an A. And it's open to all. And it has, we are looking at at least 300 variables on 175 countries. Which is honestly, it is, it it almost seems like a sacred duty. (laughs) Like it is, because the data that's coming out of this, we could go to war with every patriarchal society or every tribal, clannish, subordinating of women country. We hope not. No, but so the answer is not war. The answer is improving the conditions of of the women, women. giving them more rights, giving them better health care, giving them more choices in their lives. That's right. And by naturally doing that, you've seen in the database that you would elevate society. And so we have two claims. One is the situation in a family mirrors – the, the situation in, in the greater society. So if there is more a democratic relationship between husband and wife, then the children that are raised in these um, situations, in these households, will also grow up thinking, yes, uh, the women have voice, and so they will be more respectful. Mm. And so they will be more inclusive when it comes to even parliamentary. And it is interesting to note that the new uh, Canada's new prime minister has promised that his parliament he will include you know at least about fifty percent of the of women of, of women so it is more in- inclusive and in our data in our study Canada is one of the top uh, countries that has that shows gender parity interesting yeah and the top ones are the Scandinavian countries Canada Australia and sadly the United States is not in the top. Ten. It's not even in the top ten. No, not no. in the top ten. Interesting. But you're also measuring, I guess, peacefulness. Yes. Well, or you're that's just measuring another, the okay. That's that's a that's interesting. Correlate. So Canada, because Canada is a very peaceful country. That's right. Too. No, but we're looking at the status of women. Yeah. So what what is the amount of violence against women? How are, are um. Well, we don't look at how do how are women uh, represented in parliament and legislature. Oh, you don't look at that yet. But um, pro, but pro women policies and health policies. But we see even in our own area polygamy. Uh-huh. We see underage marriage. We see abuse of women. Yeah. And this is an anomaly in a country that is as highly educated as the United States, and is as essentially as progressive as we are, mm-hmm. as egalitarian yeah. as we tend to be. And, and let's do that. Let's take a break and come back to that because 
I want to get into a little bit about the um, – it's important probably just for dads out there that are listening to hear how critically important it is to maybe watch out for your daughters. I mean because I'm a grandpa now of a brand new baby grandbaby girl. And I sit there and after reading your stuff, I'm thinking, holy cow. So I'm kind of the patriarch of my family. I am the patriarch of my family. But I don't want to create this this concept of overpowering the women of the family. And so I'd love to have some ideas just for what the average dad, grandpa can do to strengthen their daughters and maybe help them know how essential they are to the peace of the world. We'll get back to that. Uh, Dr. Donna Lee Bowen will join, continue to be with us. And Lynn Nielsen, um, interesting study, folks. We elevate the ladies of our lives. We elevate the world. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. everybody to the Matt Townsend show. Uh, this topic we're discussing today, you can't, I don't think we can understand it enough. Um, it's sometimes when you get into the feminist kind of discussion movement, there seems to be a weird competition where men start to recoil. And today you, that's not necessary. Just, we just need to learn the data and the data itself I think is the answer. Um, we're talking with Dr. Donna Lee Bowen from the Political Science Department here at Brigham Young University and Lynn Nielsen from BYU Statistics Department. And they're talking about some research that they are doing and have been doing for years now um, about uh, female subordination and political order and the health of the world. And one of the correlations they're finding is when uh, clans – or tribes subordinate women and give them less rights, less, less access to health, less choice, fewer choices, it ends up creating instability in the tribe, in the region, in the people, in the and it's less peaceful. When we elevate women, give more rights, give all the rights that they that any of us should have, give the health they need the tools they need, it in, in essence, it elevates the society and creates more peace. When women are healthier, their, their families are – and the world are more peaceful. So am I, am I on the right road there? Yep. Great summary. Yes. And to uh, go back to your question before the break. Yes. As, uh, as a grandfather. Yeah. So I was born in the Philippines and I'm the eldest of – five daughters. Oh, wow. And I am so grateful that I was born in the Philippines. If I were born, if it was China, I'd probably have been aborted because they prefer daughters. Excuse me, they prefer sons instead of daughters. If it was India, I I might have been a victim of infanticide. Mm. And so I didn't even have time. You You wouldn't have. Yes. But my father was one of the progressive ones. And so he was stuck with five daughters. <laughs> and so he encouraged all of us to go to school and to um, 
take it seriously. In fact, every night he would help me with my with my homework, and he would teach me. We would teach us like his favorite. Who he, he plays chess, so we all know how to play chess. Oh, how great! And he would hunt, and so he would teach us how to handle a gun and hunt with him. And how to be self-sufficient. Yes, these five girls. And we were all encouraged to go to college. And so all of us had um, had a degree one way or or the other. And so if um, men can just treat their daughters and um, train them just as if they were also boys. And, of course, the boys also because they're now – some of them, the boys now are in trouble. If they would – Treat them, you know, the same way. Yeah. Then it would it would help because remember, um, Chairman Mao says the women hold up half the sky. Oh, that's and beautiful. And so, if the women are not given the you know the abilities and the resources to hold their half of the sky, then the whole society will mm. will, will will fall. Man, it's a, that's a beautiful. I've never heard that quote. That is, and if, in my mind, they hold up a little bit more than half. <laughs> um, I was raised by a single mom. Uh, parents divorced. My dad was very much in my life, but my mom held up the sky. The sky for you. And it's – so when we look at the research, it seems like – because you you actually make a distinction between kind of patriarchal tribes or clans that have severe patriarchy. Um, just describe what is severe patriarchy versus just like a patriarchal order. Well, the I mean a lot of religious people believe in – patriarchal kind of order where dads kind of preside but they're not oppressive they're loving like your father and um versus a severe patriarchy traditionally um the almost the entire world is patriarchal even the matriarchal societies the very few of them power resides in the mother's brother so men hold the power and why that is there are many researchers working yeah. at trying to come up with good possibilities for that. But traditionally, patriarchies gave the father, the grandfather, the senior male figure, right of life or death over the family. Huh. Now the question is, what's done with that kind of power? Is it used to elevate? Is it used to create opportunities? Is it used to benefit every member of the family? Or is it used to oppress. Mm. And are, do women become a means to an end, or are they a person in themselves? Yeah. And so when we talk about the treatment of women, we're talking about according women, whether they're tiny babies, like your granddaughter, yeah. and Lynn's granddaughter is going to be born at noon today. Holy yes. cow, yes, congratulations. Her third yeah. granddaughter. I'm flying to Arizona. Oh, if, beautiful. Will they be given the same consideration, the same respect, the same care that one gives a, a baby boy. Yeah. So as we look at the rising generations, do we recognize that both men and women have so much to contribute mm. on their own as individuals? And it so and it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be a competition. It does, but it oh, it, it just seems like it's always this battle, or it has been, and I think it's changing. But all you have to do is go to the data. That's what's so powerful about the you website. You go to the data and you weep. I right. bet no, you do, don't <laughs> you? You, do. you weep. For example, one of the things we're looking at is is honor killing, a tradition in a, in in a society. What societies do honor killing? Status, 
they're called status societies, societies. where reputation matters, matters more than anything. And some will obliterate the shame on the family by taking out the person that's suspected to have dishonored the family. The stonem, stonings. Right. There was yesterday something came across my news feed about a couple of, was convicted of adultery. It was in reality pre, premarital sex. Mm. The young man was lashed and the woman was put in a hole and was stoned to death. Oh. That's an honor killing. Yeah. And there, there's still a lot of them happening. Sometimes they're... Any more than in one. In the media, yeah. Any, any more than zero. In, in yeah. fact, too in, many. Right. In fact, um, I think it was last summer I read something about this incident in the Emirates. So there was a family that went um, to a beach for, for a summer vacation, and they were very strict uh, Muslims. Hmm. And one of the daughters was in trouble um, but instead of being saved, her father allowed her to be drowned because he did not want the life, lifeguard, who was a male, to touch the daughter because that will bring right. dishonor to right. the family. And so I don't know what happened to, to the father if he was charged, uh, but that still happens because yeah. they think any dishonor, to, especially the women, will be a dishonor to the family. And if somebody was dishonored, sometimes they would use the woman to kind of mm-hmm. pay uh, another f- clan for the dishonor by giving one of their daughters. Uh, if, for example, one of their sons dishonored one of the daughters, and sometimes it results in 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 yeah in the killing of, of the women. So much of this, um, and even even severe patriarchy, is rooted in f- in belief, in faith, in a faith based in some. No, no, it's not. It's rooted in a tribal ethos okay. that essentially puts reputation above the the well-being of individuals. But then, do they not because refer to their the group, doctrine? No, there tribal societies occur in all different religious traditions. Do they really? Yeah, We're, we get a lot of publicity about Muslims these days, and part of it is because there's still more visibly tribal societies in some parts of the Muslim world, not everywhere, but in but some it's not parts. based in their faith. But India, so we find it with Hindus. We find it if you go back historically with Christians. Yeah, and the Balkans, for example, huh. the former Yugoslavia. There, so, there's it's not a it's not a religious question. It's a it's a question of um essentially holding on to very old beliefs, old beliefs about the security of the group where the well-being of the group is is held not yeah. in individual performance but in the 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 groupness. Can you can you cite an example of a culture a tribe that has been overcoming this? Scotland a nice example. That is a great example. <laughs> I would never have gone there. That's amazing. And so if you, I asked my students how many are Scots, and, and I have a young Macintosh in one of my yeah. classes, and I said, well, that's, that's your clan. But what you've seen in Scotland over the centuries has been the, the move gradually to what we call a contract society. Many Americans are familiar with the term a social contract mm-hmm. that's established between individuals and their government, their state. And the state guarantees certain goods to the citizen. The citizen guarantees um, 
fidelity to the state, loyalty, and to pay taxes, to serve in the military if need be, to be an upstanding citizen, to take their part in, in government. And this is a very different means of social organization than Scotland in Right, you know, a thousand years ago, and I guess example. that's the point. But it took a thousand years it took of, of a long time psychological evolution. And I Britain's guess Britain's a great example hmm. of a very gradual transformation. And it's interesting because we'll go into these countries, you know, to do rebuilding, and we'll try to go in and change tribal cultures, and it seems like, and we might even try to import uh, capitalism. <laughs> As a great paradigm to govern, and, and, and they're generally very good at capitalism. Yeah, but what's right? I, what's <laughs> I, wonderful? I, bet, I actually bet a lot they are. better than we are. <laughs> I know. I keep getting calls from West Africa about all these things. Um, but what I'm wondering is, in the end, is it might just be better to import healthier treatment of women as the governing paradigm, equalization of opportunities, right, so that they can lift the sky equally. That might be the paradigm that it it would be a wonderful paradigm. Unfortunately, as you've alluded to, it's not easy no. because you're working at Against. changing people's most deeply seated beliefs. If you look at what we we all have in common is we all are one gender or another. Mm-hmm. And we're born with that, and we're given certain paradigms to follow. Males do this, females do this. And it's so deeply socialized into our being that any suggestion of a change, any suggestion of altering things that we see as heaven-sent... Resistance. Yeah. are so resistant. It's like you're stepping on very sensitive nerve endings. Oh, yeah. And so the question is, how do we begin to look at each other as individuals, as people? It's, and go from there. And why not start at home? That's Again, right. I holding my grandbaby last night and I'm thinking, holy cow. Dude, I mean, what's her future going to look like? And she, we are in the and, United States. And what do I do to And make what it do the I do to facilitate possible. that? Yeah. And it's hard because again, you just might go to your natural, you know, what you taught, what you were learning from your culture, your mm-hmm. tribe or whatever. And so I guess some of this is each of us listening, we need to just ask what we can do and start there. Right. And one of the books we, we read, it's The Rule of the Clans by Mark Weiner. It says, how do we get from Afghanistan to Denmark? Yeah. What are the things that we need to do so that the, this is, the, the side we have right now can gradually move? And we're thinking that clans are not bad per se. No. The, if, if, if they can be – it, you know, if they can be changed so that they actually support the well-being of everyone and yeah. th- they can support the government, then it will be a, a good one. And I think one of the things that's been happening either in Iraq is we're now trying to work with the clans and the tribes instead yeah. of working against right. them. Yeah, it doesn't work, does it? And that's why there's been turmoil in the Middle East for centuries. Yes. And it's, you're not just going to come in and import a philosophy. No. They would have to buy in. Yeah, it's almost like, but let them start seeing the benefits. Um, and one of the places to do that is womanstats.org. Uh, again, it's a free, it's a website, but it is one of the most, in, I guess, complete websites on the health of women globally. And it's free. And it's, it's free. So anyone can go look at it and do research out of in, it. Set up a. And if there's something that they want that we don't have, for example, there's this researcher in Pakistan who wanted to look at the incidents of rape in the military. 
if we don't have that, then if it's important enough for them or for us, then we might yeah. consider looking at that. Because, yeah, there's researchers that would love to jump in and, yes. and look at that. Well, we appreciate you both, uh, Dr. Donna Lee Bowen and Lynn Nielsen. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much, Matt. Thanks for elevating our minds. Beautiful stuff. Again, ah, as our women go, folks, so goes the world. We've got to elevate uh, their voice, their rights. It's a beautiful thing. And, uh, you know, where would you be without your mom? Come on. You wouldn't even be here. We'll take a break, my friends. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Man, have we got a great show for you today. Our tech guru, Jay McFarland, will be joining us in just a few moments to uh, talk about some of the latest and greatest technology. You may have heard about uh, Apple TV. It's taking over the world. Anyway, we'll get into a bunch of different uh, tech things uh, coming up. Uh, You know, just a great interview. Last hour, if you didn't catch it, go find it on iTunes or tune in. Go check it out on BYURadio.org. But an interview about uh, women, elevate women, elevate world. That's what the research shows. And in the largest database of uh, about women at womenstats.org, all the data shows the healthier the women are, the more choices they are, the more educated the women can be, the healthier, the more peaceful the stronger the economy, the stronger the health. So, you know, powerful stuff. Which is why when you listen to every politician, you, you got you to gotta figure out what, what's going on, what, what is really being said. There's two women running in the race, and I still to this day would love to see them go head to head. Who doesn't want to see Carly Fiorina and uh, Hillary Clinton go head to head and just talk? I'm fired up about that. That's that. That's what motivates me. Thank you, Jeb. Thanks. Thanks for being here. By the way, National Donut Day. National Donut Day. There's actually two National Donut Days a year because one National Donut Day is not enough. There's two. One is in June, and uh, the other today, November fifth. Um, for all of you lovers of the donut, the sweet bagel, we call it. Anyway, happy Donut Day to you. Also, today is November 5th, Men Make Dinner Day. In celebration of women equality, men make dinner. Men make dinner good. (laughs) Men struggle. Men burn self on oven. November 5th, Men Make Dinner Day. Um, Did you hear about this crazy, crazy thing? Listen to this. There is a, uh, a high-rolling cat lover somewhere in New York. Somebody paid several times the price of a fancy car, basically $826,000, to buy a painting of the world's largest cat. It's the world's largest cat painting 
It weighs 227 pounds. This is the painting, not the cat. Measuring six feet by eight and a half feet. My wife's lovers was painted by Austrian artist Carl Koller around 1893. Features about 350 cats. Really? I know. 42 of which had real-life counterparts belonging to the painting's commissioner. So this guy in the 1800s paints a painting with hundreds of cats and uh, for somebody. And 42 of that person's that he that had commissioned the painting, his cats were in, were actually featured in the painting. Can you believe that? And they paid $826,000 for it. It's amazing. It originally cost $3,000 to make. So that's why you buy art. My Personally, I prefer – I prefer paintings of dogs playing poker. Or you could just watch a cat video, a lot cheaper. I know. That's what you do. That's just not healthy. That's kind of my thing, isn't it? You love cat videos. Every time I sneak up on you in the office, you're always watching a cat video. Well, it's been proven that they brighten your mood, cat videos. They do? Yeah. We talked about it on the show. Well, oh, yeah, that's right. It's funny that you remember that. Well, it's it's That's my, like a stat that would just kind of slip through my mind. It's my justification. Do you feel better after watching a cat video? He, yes. I like the cat videos, like the cat fails, where the cat like lunges. <laughs> oh, well. That doesn't quite make it. Are there any other kind of cat videos? Oh, yeah. Really? There's a cat. There's cat videos where they just sit there and purr. We did a story yesterday, if you recall, that cats are a little neurotic and they, they're really probably thinking of killing you. But you're safe when you're watching yeah, you're safe. A, yeah. a computer monitor. <laughs> you're safe that way. Uh, by the way, got to see my grandgirl last night. Again, not to be a, a doting grandpa, but if I had a slideshow right now and I could show you all of the pictures of my grandbaby, it would change your life. She's cute as can be. In fact, I'm a, I have a feeling every day I'm just going to go to my daughter's house and see my baby for a minute. And then it's beautiful. Hand her back. She starts fussing and crying. You hand her back and then boom, go home. Bye. So beautiful. Greatest uh, day ever. Did you hear about this British man? This is crazy. British man jailed after being caught on camera smuggling drugs, a knife, and a McMuffin into the prison. <laughs> a British man was jailed after being caught on camera smuggling drugs, a knife, and a McMuffin uh, into prison using a fishing line. Carl Jensen was spotted on CCTV attaching a bag containing a bizarre mix of goods to the fishing line before it is then hauled into the prison in London. Also inside the black plastic bag was a Kinder Surprise egg, which is a chocolate egg containing a small toy, a bottle of alcohol, and a cell phone, according to certain reports. The footage captured Jensen brazenly attaching the bag in last October before walking away as it is reeled in over the wall, Prison officers move swiftly to the search the cell uh, and, uh, you know, 
Basically, they discovered the knife with a five-inch blade, a smartwatch, other items, and then they basically arrested him. So be careful. The news of the day, be careful. Now let's get to the headlines. Uh, find out from our very good Terry South. Terry, uh, what's going on around the world? Thanks, Matt. Egypt and Russia on Thursday dismissed concerns expressed by U.S. and Britain officials that the Metrojet plane that crashed and killed 224 people in Egypt may have been caused by a bomb planted by ISIS. The investigation team does not have any evidence or data confirming this hypothesis. Egypt's civil aviation minister said a Kremlin spokesman called the information unverified and said the West was pushing it because of geopolitical resistance to Russia's actions in Syria. So it's taken, what, three days, and now it's political. Yeah, here we go. Took their time, I think, because they usually do that right off the bat. Russian President Vladimir Putin tops Forbes' latest list of the world's most powerful people. For, he, for the third year in a row, Putin reigns supreme as the most powerful person in the world, ahead of German Chancellor Angela Merkel and second-place President Obama. Putin uh, continues to prove he's one of the few men in the world powerful enough to do what he wants and get away with it. That's what Forbes says. Who do you think number four is, Matt? Fourth most powerful man or person? Person in the world. Fourth most powerful person in the world. I would say Tom Brady. No. <laughs> good guess, though. Yeah. He's pretty good. Pope Francis. Oh, yeah. He's a notable uh, a notable first-timer on the list year, this year, though, is Donald Trump, who came in 72nd out of 73 people. Wow. He's the 72nd most powerful person in the world. Any other candidates in the top 70? No. Just Donald Trump. Donald. Wow. Unless Hillary Clinton made it somewhere. Oh, I bet she did. She probably did. Yeah. But they didn't say in the, huh. uh, the article I read. Uh, speaking of Donald Trump, he's going to host... Saturday Night Live this weekend. Yes. There was a bit of a controversy yesterday. Saturday Night Live, every week, they record some promos with the host. There's some FCC rules. He Trump, because he's running for right. There's some equal time situations. So he can only talk for so much during each promo, and they kept it quite short. Um, they, they released this yesterday. And because of equal time rules for television, Mr. Trump can only speak for four seconds in this promo. So let me just say this. Ben Carson is a complete and total loser. So he took his time doing a <laughs> promo to call out Ben Carson. Wow. There was there was like five promos they do. Yeah. But this is one of them. Now, that was posted. The video was up for about 10 minutes, and then it disappeared off the YouTube site for Saturday Night Live. Interesting. About an hour later, the video comes back, and that promo was cut out. Gone. Though it was preserved by well, many media people organizations. People are protesting him doing Saturday Night Live, right? Yes. Who's protesting? Like people that are anti-Trump or people that are just like pro-Carson? People against the whole, um, you know, the the uh, illegal immigrants coming across the oh, border yeah. are criminals. Oh, yeah. and So you, you have uh, groups that are against those sure. types of comments. They're, they're not – they're, they're kind of hate-filled comments. Sure. And well, so, yeah. And so you can move NBC by saying, "Look, we're not going to spawn, We're not going to support you if you're going to support this type of." And then there's the fact that they canceled The Apprentice because yeah. of those comments. Yeah, they said. And then just a few months later, hey, you're back hosting our our show because of ratings. My view there's is none of these politicians should be doing this. I get why no. they do it. They're trying to get audience, but I just I'm kind of with Ben Carson. It's beneath the office. It is, especially the comedic stuff. I mean, I get going on Carson, but slow jamming. Come out, sit down, yeah. talk about some things, exactly. great, move on, but yeah. don't slow jam. Talk about your family, tell a few jokes, but you're still the president, man. Come on. 
just kind of turns it into a circus. Right. Um, NASA is accepting applicants for its new class of astronauts from December 14th through mid-February 2016. Okay. Successful candidates will be announced the following year. During the last recruitment uh, uh, period six years ago, more than 6,100 people applied and only eight candidates were chosen. Holy cow. So it's difficult to get in. Acceptance requires not only a bachelor's degree in math, engineering, biology, or physics. None of those. None of those. Okay. But you must ideally have an advanced degree. Okay. I got that. I'm going to guess in a science. It is space. Blah, blah, blah. Applicants also need to meet such basic requirements yeah. as a minimum of 1,000 hours piloting a jet plane. Uh, I, how about I've been in a jet plane? No, Probably you must a fly it. Hours. You must fly it. <laughs> a perfect eyesight is necessary. Nah. Ru- Russian language skills are a plus because you have to go up in a Russian rocket. Duh. That's kind of how we get to space now. Uh, okay. And uh, pe- it says people shorter than 5'1 or mm-hmm. taller than 6'2 may not apply. Ah, see? That's perfect. Why are you mad, Ben? You're not taller than six two. I actually am. In just, hills, just maybe. barely. Do you, do you like slump or no, something? You're not. You don't... Are you really? Okay. Well, maybe. Yeah, you are wearing your pumps. It's those lifts he's got on. <laughs> so you you need to have a bachelor's Man, degree, an okay. advanced degree, a thousand it's not hours. Happening. No. I guess I'll stay here. Too many requirements. So you're not going to Mars. No, thank heavens. I've seen the video, Martian. It ain't worth going. It's a nightmare up there. I don't want to blow it for you, Terry, because Terry hasn't seen it yet, but it gets pretty crazy. Hey, uh, we're going to take a break. Coming up in just a bit, Jay McFarland, our news uh, and tech guru from The Browsers, which is a a, a radio show that's in the Intermountain West. And uh, he's just our great resource to ask about anything based in technology. Stick with us, folks. Jay McFarland will be up next. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Talking tech. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, on the line with us is our our tech guru, Jay McFarland. Uh, Jay is he's pretty much done it all. He is the Renaissance man, and um, he he does everything from he, he makes apps, hundreds of apps uh, that uh, you can go to his website, jaymcfarland.com, and check that out. Check out his apps. But he's He's uh, managed businesses, up to 42 restaurants and a national corporate chain he was running. He also has a, had his own talk show in Dallas, Texas that was very popular. He's an author of a book, free, two books, Freedom Ain't Free and Joyful Union. And he's uh, also a host, uh, co-host on the Browsers uh, radio program on KSL.com, um, which is an Intermountain, uh, it's an Intermountain um, radio show. And he's, more importantly, he's a dad. And just a stud is what he likes us to call him. Jay McFarland, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thank you. How are you? How's everything going? It's been a long time. I hope my yeah, it has been a little while. I thought you were snubbing me because every time we talk, my phone signal yeah. seems to drop out. We were hoping so. you'd get a better carrier. Yeah, I know what's going on. <laughs> so hopefully, some things have changed with AT and T. You know, with their yeah. Wi-Fi ability now. Yeah, they're they're Maybe yeah. <laughs> This will be a good test. This will be a great test, and we would never snub you. You, um, here's the deal: there was a Pew Research uh, um, survey that was done about the latest tech trends, 
And in that, apparently, almost everyone in the world has a not everyone in the world, everyone in the country has a cell phone now. Yes, ninety-two percent. Everybody. Yeah, and we're even talking about uh, toddlers who yeah. have the hand-me-down devices. Don't you think that's hand. weird? I know, sucking on a lithium I, you know, battery. Yeah. <laughs> not good. I see it all the time, the kids with flip phones, you know, and and because they want the kids know when it's a toy or whether it's a real device. That's right. You have to give them the the old device. (laughs) I don't really have that much of a problem with it as long as, you know, you moderate the time and what they're doing on those devices. Right. Well, you, for example, have some awesome apps for younger kids that are educational. To buy those and to have their kids on them 24-7 and click on all the ads too while you're in there. That's true. The ads pay the pay the pay the bills, but it, yes. so there's the benefit of all of this technology. But one of the things that's happening, it seems like, so cell phones, ninety two percent, I guess, of the population are now currently have a cell phone, except sixty eight percent are smartphones. Yes. So, not only do we have phones, we now have smartphones. But is it true that the smartphones are now replacing other th- other things like ebook readers? Are actually now going down. Fewer people are using ebook readers because they're just using their smartphone. Yeah, absolutely. E- ebook readers. I mean, you think about all the things the smartphone replaces, from flashlights to cameras to GPS systems, and now it's the e-reader, which was cutting edge before. And the other thing that is interesting to me is a- another research uh, project that was done a few weeks ago: millennials and their smartphones. They're consuming the majority of their media on smaller smartphone devices. They don't even need TVs. They don't want TVs. That's right. So we've gone from wanting bigger and bigger television sets to now millennials are saying, I'm fine watching this programming on my smartphone or my tablet. I don't know why you need a bigger TV because I guess they're never in one place at the same time. Right. So that's interesting. So TV cells are going to probably, I guess everyone needs the big screen, but you might only need one. You, yeah. used, you used to maybe or, have two or three TVs in the house. Now you need one and a handheld and your phone, I mean. And, I, you know, I guess it's just that personal experience, that personal device. You can watch that media wherever you're at. I really think, Matt, you may have millennials that grow up and they won't have the big screen TV and they won't have a car either because millennials aren't interested in driving right. like we were as kids either. They'll just take Ubers. Yeah. They'll take Uber. They'll take uh, public transportation, and uh, they won't. They won't need a car. And and by you know within ten fifteen years, you may be able to just order up a smart car that yeah. comes to your front door and drives you where you need to go. Oh, and then I would love the whole that. time you're watching a movie, yeah. right, on your smart. That's right. Sleeping. And then you you get out, and that car goes off and picks up the next guy. That's great. Won't that be the great yeah. day? That, oh, I, I, I can't wait. And you'll see, uh, you'll see a disappearance of things like auto insurance. You'll see car accidents go way down. Yep. Um, you know, road rage uh-huh. could save marriages. It could save lives. Totally. I, a lot of people are afraid of it. I can't wait. And I think this will be perfect because this is this will be right when we are about seventy, seventy five, seven eighty, <laughs> yes. and. When we won't even like you won't have to worry about your mom driving anymore. You'll just say no that you won't. Yeah, We're just sending you a car, mom. Okay. Yeah, you won't have to have that conversation. But I wanted to share with you this other research today. Yeah. 
that that says, you know, we talk about the, I'm sure you deal with this all the time, Matt. Every day. Uh, the positive and negative effects of social media yeah. on our kids. Yeah. And this study asked parents to rate the social benefits and the self-esteem benefits of social media. And, and they said parents are four times more likely to say that social media has a positive effect on their child's self-esteem than a negative effect. Really? Now, that's what parents are saying. But I don't think research has backed that no, up. No, not it doesn't. That is, really? I just yeah, had someone yeah, yesterday so, say social media is killing my child. Yeah, well, maybe that's a, a parent dealing with with reality. I think that it can be, if it's part of a a robust social lifestyle, like you have texting, yeah. you have social media, but you're still getting out and you're being with other people face to face and having social activities. I think it can be beneficial. Mm-hmm. I think the problem we see is when it is the core of their social life and that social life is happening mostly within the, the confines of their own house and they're not getting that face-to-face interaction. That right. could be a real problem. I had a son yesterday that just disconnected from Facebook and Instagram, and I asked him why, and he said, because I can't get anything done. I'm too, wow. I spend too much time wasting time on it, so I just, I just took, them, I took the apps off my phone. So we can well, only do it at a desktop. But, wow. but I also, I, yeah, you know what? He's like his mother, very disciplined. Yeah. Um, yeah, if it, yeah, I probably would die at his age just <laughs> getting into it. But forty percent of the population are introverts too. So if an introvert is sitting there seeing everybody else going to parties, not being invited to a party, let's say I had a client yeah. just the other day whose daughter was not invited to a party, and she saw everyone going to the party, actually two parties, and she just sat home, you know having her self-esteem take a hit. So I don't know that I buy well, we the study. Have, no, I, well, I buy that parents believe oh, it. I, do I too. don't buy that it's, that it's true. Yeah. I, we have to teach our kids and realize there is nothing real about social media. It's just like calling reality TV reality. When right. you put cameras on a bunch of people and say go, and everything you say is going to be seen by the world, that's no longer reality, right? Right, right. That's not, that's not, and on social media, when I can spend, and even in texting, when I can spend minutes or hours crafting a response or touching up a picture or crafting this persona online, that's not real. And no. now if I'm somebody who that's all I see of everybody else is what they've crafted and, and how witty they are. And look, they're only posting pictures of all the good in, your, in their life, and you're thinking about all the bad in yours. That's not reality, and I don't know how that can build self-esteem because it's not real. No, right. Well, and it's – it's. I guess there's a healthy part where you can at least adjust your persona, your identity, except um, that's not real either. I mean the reality yeah. is just because I made up this really great post with me having pouty lips, um, yeah. <laughs> it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that I'm – that pouty lip person. It's... No, and, and and you don't get that thing that you get in one-on-one interaction right. where you don't have time to craft, you yeah. know? And you may say things that catch people kind of weird, and they'll say right back to you, you know what, that, you know, I don't really agree with that. And and that's kind of the grounding. I believe for, for humans, anyway, what grounds us and keeps us mentally sound 
and keeps our self-esteem where it should be is that one-on-one interaction with other humans. You take that away, you look at every one of these mass shooters that we've had, these young white men. Right. Every one of them is an absolute loner who has built a persona online, and everything about their lives is attached to social media. And there's no check and balance that comes in and says, you know what, what you're thinking and saying is not appropriate, yeah. and, yeah. and it's not right. It's scary. No one's sitting there saying, you're messed up. Yeah, exactly. And so, there, you know, when we were kids, it was the television. We, I was raised by the TV. And, and you start thinking that what you're seeing on television is somehow reality. And mm-hmm. it's not. And then social media just compounds that because now you have the ability to interact with it and, and find the other people out there that believe your very specific mindset. And you can screen out all the others. And just get all these yes men around you that's that are right. liking, right? Yeah. Liking and sharing. And uh, that becomes very scary. And I think parents need to realize I, I, social media can help your self-esteem, but it can also obliterate it. Oh, that's a you – know? that's a, and it's an interesting point because, you know, I grew up – I thought I was on a deserted island with Gilligan. I actually yeah. believed that I – that Marianne and I would probably get married. <laughs> And, it was you and Marianne. Yeah, I tried. I wanted Ginger, but she was just too much of a woman for me. She was out of your league, man. Yeah, totally out of my league. But, um, but what's interesting is that would only hurt me in my little land of make believe yeah. at my house. Yeah. But now I can do that and go, you know, and talk to other people and get in chat rooms. Now I'm actually engaging with others who might keep, you know, fostering the illusions exactly. that aren't real. Hmm. And that's exactly. scary, too, because 86% apparently, according to this new study, 86% of those ages 18 to 29 have a smartphone. 86%. Yeah. And they social media constantly. And what, constantly. Oh, constantly. And what else is happening is, though, game consoles, uh, gaming devices have pretty much flattened out. There's fewer gaming consoles being sold. MP3, yeah. the old listening devices are starting to taper a bit. Ebook readers are taping, tapering. So everything's being fostered and pushed through the phone now. This phone is yeah, going through them. Okay, let's do this. Let's take a break and come back. But I want to know, Jay, what's going to happen eventually if they're not able to sell tablets as much or game consoles or MP3s or ebook readers. I'm assuming the, the te- your cell phone will eventually be like $5,000. Something's got to yeah, happen. They've got to make money yeah. somewhere. Let's take a break. They're We're not s- getting cheaper. No, they're not. And, uh, and, the, and yeah. every day, another, another fix, another trick on them. We're speaking with Jay McFarland yeah. from jmcfarland.com. You've got to go check out that website. You can find everything that he does, including a lot of those apps. He'll also even teach you how to make uh, apps and, uh, and to post them. He's, he's quite the wizard on that. And, you know, you can actually have an income, for heaven's sakes, being an app developer. We'll take a break, my friend. Stick with us. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. On the line with us is Jay McFarland, the renaissance man, the tech guru uh, for the Matt Townsend Show. He sits all day, does nothing else except a radio show, 
write books, make apps. But he studies and reads everything that's going on in the tech world. He goes to all the the big events, and um, we have him on the show to pick his brain. If you go uh, to the website jmcfarland.com, you can get more information from Jay. Jay, welcome back to the show, brother. Thank you, sir. We're actually getting ready for the Consumer Electronics Show. I know. You go every year. In January. Yeah. Is it in January? My favorite times of the year. Yeah, January. You go for an entire week? I, You know, I would, except I'd, I'd break something. I would I'd get bored. It's, it's those are big pretty, rooms. Pretty well covered. <laughs> I oh, I love watching everything so that you guys big. talk about because you go to pretty much everything and then you've tried everything, you've tested everything. So what yeah. we'll have to do is a live call or something from there cuz you're so oh, Absolutely, I'd love it. You know what else is just pick me up a pick me up some of the new gadgets though. Like this uh, this the my watch, I'm loving my my uh, what's it called? Mac what my uh, Apple, watch. Apple Watch. Apple Watch. Yeah. I, Did you take the screen protector off? No. No, I'm keeping it on there. And you know what else? It's all scratched up. It's all scratched up. What your screen protector? Yeah, is my screen protector is just shredded. Yeah, but, but your screen wouldn't be. Nah, that's what I, that's what you, you say. There's, there's, you yeah, just I wear mine every day. Not a scratch on my Apple Watch. Are you serious? Yeah, it's. I'm telling you that that screen has been tested. That is the one thing you don't need a screen protector for. That's famous last words. You can take it off. Yeah. <laughs> That's famous last words. What do you? What are you, are you a mechanic? Are you no. working on cars every day? My, yeah, pretty what are you much. Doing that you're well. That you're afraid to scratch that thing up. Some of it's top secret. I can't tell you. My mom told me that I don't. She, she bought me a vacuum once and said, "This is the only vacuum you'll ever need," and I broke it about a year later. Okay. So ever well, since then, I, I don't I trust. Guess if you have issue, yeah, I don't trust right. anything. Hey, talk to me about um, this Apple TV because I was about to go buy the sixty nine dollar box, and then I find yeah. out that there's now a hundred and forty nine dollar box or a two hundred dollar yeah. box. What's going on? What are, what's Apple getting into now here? Well, so the 69 is the old generation, and basically that thing had been around uh, forever without any technical updates. In fact, I think when it came out, Steve Jobs called the Apple TV a hobby, indicating, <laughs> you know, it was just something they were that serious about. So finally, with the most recent Apple TV, Apple is saying it's no longer a hobby. We're serious. And, you know, it's that 99 and you can get that one and i have one it's 69 dollars. if you just want to stream you know from netflix and and hulu and have access to your itunes library uh, for 69 dollars, that it's a great little yeah. device so the the new one starts at 149 dollars for 32 gigabyte or 199 dollars for a 64 gigabyte wow it is it is a streaming device and a gaming console all in one is the idea really but the gaming, so yeah, you'll so, actually start buying your games, or your uh, as an app on your Apple TV. Yeah, it will have an app store, um, just like the Roku does, yeah. the Amazon Fire TV. They have app stores, and you can use their little uh, their little remote control that comes with it. it. Has a touchpad, and you can play games on it. And some of the initial gaming is getting some decent reviews. You can also hook up your iPhone and use that as a game controller. So everyone with an iPhone in the room could be playing games with you at the same time. So that's, I mean, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, if you, I'm going to say, uh, bottom line for me is you only get an Apple TV if you're an Apple guy. Right. You know, if you have an iPhone, if you have an Apple Watch with a screen protector, <laughs> if you have a MacBook. <laughs> if I have an Apple on my car, uh, the Apple logo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
then you get the Apple TV. It makes perfect sense because you get access to iCloud. Everything syncs with every single device. I mean, it just you can you can uh, put anything on your iPhone. You can throw it up there on the screen easily. Mm. It just makes perfect sense. But if you're an Android user, or maybe even have one of those like BlackBerry things that are still hanging what? around, yeah. Uh, I would I would take a look at the Roku or the Amazon Fire TV. They're they're a little bit cheaper, and honestly, they do a little bit more. Do they really? But you can't play yeah, video so, games with your cell phones. You can play games on uh, on those devices, and and more and more. So, like the Amazon Fire TV Gaming Edition, mm-hmm. it starts at ninety nine dollars, and then they have a hundred thirty nine dollar version. Okay, and they give you access to the to the Android to their app store, which is all Android. One of the biggest things is if you have a 4K TV. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. I do. Um, which hasn't really taken off like people thought it would, but people still feel it's the future. The new Apple TV, brand new, just released, mm-hmm. is only 1080p. It doesn't support 4K. Why? So if you, yeah, I don't know. That seems like that'll it's be an upgrade. That'll be another hundred dollars. It's one of the. Yeah, it's one of those things where Apple, if they don't feel like it's a technology that's going to take off, they won't they won't touch it until it does take off, and then they'll come around. Uh, but Apple TV does have Siri. Uh, if you, you can talk to the remote, I don't, yeah, I'm not good Siri with Siri yet. Are you? Are you? I'm not either. She hates me. She hates me. She, she absolutely. <laughs> hates me. Yeah. In fact, your Siri called me and talked to me because she needed therapy about you. <laughs> She's like he is so hard. He is so hard you to work we've, with. We've broken up on the air several <laughs> times. I don't. I don't like Siri. What is nice with this new Apple TV device is it finally does what some of the other devices do, and it gives you universal search. Mm. So you can say, "Hey Siri, show me all the Nicolas Cage movies," and it will bring them up, and it will show you. You can get this one on Hulu. You can get this one on Netflix. This one on iTunes. Before you would have had to gone into each service, open it up, and search within that service, and then open up the next one and search, and then open up the next one. Now it searches across HBO, Showtime, Hulu, oh, that's cool. Netflix. Why are Why are you yeah, looking so for Nicolas Cage movies? That seems no, weird. I was suggesting him for for you. Okay, great. A... He's a great actor. <laughs> Um, I was trying to be relatable. Oh, that's good. You're trying to relate to me. Well, if you had asked Siri, you would know that I don't like Nicolas Cage. Um, one of the things about uh, – is it – who was it? Nintendo apparently was releasing one of their first games on one of these programs or systems, wasn't it? Did you hear about that? Uh, yeah, they just – yeah, I'm going to – Type it in quick because I'm just it's just failing me. Who? Uh, yeah, I don't remember where it was, but uh, that seems like the future of these game gaming companies is getting their games to be purchased on these pro on these these systems, right? Chrome. I mean, if all of a sudden you can get yeah. it on Chromecast or Roku or Amazon Fire, yeah, you might they're still not as they're still not as robust as like your Xbox console or okay. things like that, but. We live in a really weird world because we we grew up and we were amazed by Pac-Man. And in order to play Pac-Man, it was this huge box in an arcade and you had to pump quarters into it. Mm-hmm. And eventually, eventually that technology in that box got to where you were playing these major 3D games and they were so robust. And we moved on from all those little stupid games. You know? Yeah, yeah. And then our devices came... And then our small mobile devices came out, and they couldn't support the big mobile, the big console games. So they said, "Well, let's try Pac-Man yeah. and, and those old games we used to love on them." 
and people loved them. And that's what they're finding is I mean, one of the most popular games in the world right now. I, it, millions and millions of downloads and dollars is a game called Crossy Road. Have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah, totally. Which Crossy is Frogger, Road. right? Do you know what it is? It's Frogger. I know. It's just Frogger. My kid goes, no, so it's Crossy Road, Dad. I'm like, no, it's Frogger. Yeah. <laughs> I played that when I was 12. That's, that's right. And so what they're finding is, uh, uh, you know, these new, this new generation, they don't necessarily need the big console and, and all this 3D gaming. They're fine with their mobile devices or now their TV streaming devices. They're completely content with that technology. Mm. And so I think you're going to see a lot of focus in that direction. Wow. It's a, it's yeah. times they are a changing. Hey, Jay, what would you, any, any other things that are coming up that you know are out there or just crazy tech news that, you know, we need to make sure we're paying attention to? Well, I'll tell you the thing that I'm looking forward to most at the consumer electronics show is VR, virtual reality. It's oh been, boy. It's been, right. It's been growing and growing. So you put on this headset and you can turn in any direction and you're completely immersed in that world, whatever it is. And we've been seeing it and they've been raving about it, but there haven't been a lot of good ways for it to come to the consumer yet. And there's actually some of these streaming devices now where you're going to see VR movies. They're filming VR movies. Oh, wow. You watch it. Yes. You're in it there and you you're in it. You could turn in any direction. And they're filming in 360 degrees now so that you could see every single angle. I don't even comprehend how they're doing this. I don't see every Uh, angle right now. Like even just as I walk to work, I don't see anything. (laughs) This is going to make me nauseous. Right up behind you. (laughs) Yeah. But it's getting huge reviews. We've tried it out a couple of times at CES. And we weren't that impressed, but this year there's been major, major breakthroughs with virtual reality, TV, movies, hmm. and gaming. It just really feels like that. So now you're going to be sitting in a room and you think you're not social, just staring at a screen all together. Yeah. Now you're all going to have headsets on. That's but you'll still be able to see each other. Oh, that's because good. Because this new technology puts you in the room as well, and it'll put all your friends who are wearing the devices It'll put you in the room too, them in the room too, so you can experience oh, wow. it all together. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's crazy. And then it's the holodeck on Star Trek. So then, what you could do is go have a virtual conversation, even though you're all yes. in the same room, where you could have a virtual conversation. Yes, without and you could be sitting face to face with three D, whatever. See, that's how that's how computers are eventually going to bring us back together. Is that it's going to put us all from the same room into a virtual world where we could then all talk. As long as I don't have to ever leave the house, I'm pretty <laughs> content with that. You know what? We are going to just be a bunch of overweight, fat, virtual <laughs> heads. Listen, let me tell you something. You remember Wally when they yeah, were Yeah, totally. I remember that. Yeah. On those floating lazy boys yeah. with a big computer screen, and they got shakes every day. It's... Everybody else <laughs> looked at that and said, that is horrible. I thought, please, can we go there now? It's coming. They, they, they were happy, Matt. <laughs> Nobody told them they were not happy. That's it right. It was Wally who went in and screwed everything up. That's right. And their plan was to get off the ship and start farming and planting again. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> you had it so good. Do you know how hard it is I to farm? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You don't need bone structure if you could just sit in a chair. Those That's people, so true. that looked like heaven to and me. Did, by that the way, did they care about body mass index? No. 
No. They just got yeah. their shake, and, I, no, and they lazy boyed yeah. away. And and they were happy. I think we oh, should yeah. embrace our evolution. I agree. I totally that's agree. That's what it is. And by the way, and by the way, Jay, if they could just see how we look, we would you'd see that we're already halfway there. <laughs> All we need well, is the lazy boy. That, well, if you could see that I have converted a lazy boy kind of movie recliner and I have attached swivel TV screens that come out. Oh, geez. And I am reclined right now in the wall. Uh, you know what? I totally the believe it. The only thing I need is if, I, it's true. I can send you pictures. I just need this thing to float. If I could figure out how to get this thing to float, I am already there. <laughs> I'm not waiting for us to oh, evacuate the planet. You I know am what? already there. And that's the easiest technology. We can get you a little hover yeah. chair. Oh, this is crazy. Yeah, we Jay. call it the Jay the Jay Z boy. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Ooh, patent yeah. that. Yeah. Put put get yeah. a picture of yours up there on your website. Good stuff, <laughs> I'll have Jay. To take a picture of it. All right, can, brother. You can believe me. Great to be with you. Thanks for uh, enlightening us. Everybody get out there. Go get your Jay-Z, boys. <laughs> that is so crazy. Jay McFarland's his name. Go to his website, jmcfarland.com. Uh, he's the man, the myth, the legend. Great stuff. Technology, folks, it's a-coming. You might want to pick up your game, learn a little bit more, or all of a sudden you're not going to, you know, you're going to have everyone driving little Jay-Z boys around you and you're not even going to know it. We'll take a break, come back, do a quick little wrap of the first hour or the second hour of the show. Stick with us, folks. We're having fun. We're learning a lot, how to live longer, love stronger, using technology this hour. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, um, with all things we've been talking about technology-driven, here's 11 mind-blowing facts about Apple that show you that uh, maybe, honestly, they are trying to take over the world. This is from uh, businessinsider.com. Here we go. Are you ready? 10 facts. Apple has $206 billion in cash on hand. $206 billion. Split equally among the U.S. population, which is 316 million, that's $651 per person in the United States. So if all of a sudden we're short about six six fifty, call an Apple. Uh, that's enough, by the way, to buy an iPhone, a uh, 16 gigabyte iPhone for everyone in the country. That's also enough cash, by the way, to buy 3,169 Gulfstream G650s. Those are jets, I guess, airplanes. Mm, Those are nice. Apple sold 5.71 million Macs this last quarter. 5.71 million Macs. That's pretty much enough computers to give everyone in the state of Minnesota their own computer. Crazy. Apple's profit was $39.5 billion in the fiscal year of 2014. That's enough to buy Snapchat, Pinterest, Airbnb all at once with a couple billion to spare. Apple has more cash on hand than the U.S. Treasury. (laughs) That is pathetic. Apple's richer cash-wise than your government, than the United States of America. Um, Yeah, but we have the Statue of Liberty. Great point, Gladys. Apple could buy that. Apple, yeah, Apple probably owns it. Apple sold 48 uh, million iPhones last quarter, 
What does that mean? I thought we just had another stat on that. Oh, 48 million iPhones last quarter. That's more than enough to give one to everyone in Spain. Holy cow. That's almost 50 million iPhones a quarter are being sold. Holy cow. That's crazy. Apple sold about 10 million iPads last quarter. It's the most in its most recent earnings. Apple um, revenues were about two hundred thirty-three billion dollars. Hmm. Now, um, here's another little fun ditty for you. Do you know why your snooze on Apple phones is nine minutes? It's kind of set at nine minutes. So if you snooze, it's going to go nine minutes. Many people have been wondering that. Ben asked me every morning, "Why is it nine minutes? I'm always nine minutes late because I just hit snooze." Oh, yeah. Ben doesn't even have a phone. What's up with the nine minutes? Well, it turns out that Apple was trying to pay homage to clock history. Back in the day, mechanical clocks had to offer snooze in nine-minute intervals because in order to make a snooze work, the button was attached to the part of the clock that controls minutes. The easiest way to engineer that would give people the longest snooze was to set it for nine minutes. So that's why you have a nine-minute snooze on your iPhone. Just some facts that you need to know if you want to be savvy. Mac user, iPhone user, Apple user. Okay, hour number two. We'll take a break, folks. We'll be back next hour. Heather Johnson will be joining us, uh, which means we're going to be talking about how to create stronger, healthier families. Stick with us. Giving you the tools you need to live healthier, love stronger, live longer, and lead a healthy life. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This is The Matt Townsend Show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Ah, By the way, Ben Wozden stepped out and... Guess who we got? The amazing Sean O'Neill. Sean, how are you, brother? I'm doing good. Sean used to produce the show back in the day. Back in the day. Back when we just didn't care about very yeah, much. I know. Those were the days, Shawnee. Back when we had record players. <laughs> you heard I'm a grandpa, and you actually sound like a grandpa. You're a grandpa? I'm a grandpa. My daughter had a baby. Mm. I'm sorry. Cutest thing in the world. <laughs> Little Claire Bear. Uh, but... Uh, Sean, this is yes. like old days. It is, isn't old it? Days. Now, we have to bring this up, but you can't tell us much about it. Right. You saw the movie. You saw the movie, the release. No, I haven't seen Star Wars yet. Oh, that's the movie, yeah. You, you saw, saw Charlie Brown? I did. I saw that on nice. Monday, actually. <laughs> My kid's so excited. It's actually the Peanuts movie. But oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but, 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 but you, you saw Bond. Uh, um, boom, ba, dun, dun, did you like it? What can you tell us, kind of? I can tell you it's a Bond movie. Is it? Daniel Craig is starring in. Is there a Bond girl? It's called Spectre. Ooh. Yeah. There's a Bond Spectre. girl. Spectre. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with Spectrum. Oh, very much Which not is completely yes. different. Yes. Spectre. Like Inspector. No. Like no, Clouseau. spelled different. Is Clouseau in it? No. That was Casino Royale uh, okay. in the 60s. Okay. <laughs> well, okay, so it's worth seeing? I can't tell you that. Okay. 
He can't give us. I can't give you my opinion. He is a he's a critic. So he's embargoed. He's I am embargoed. until to, until if if you were asking me this, I know, but I'm just trying to just after get you midnight. To, I could say something. Uh, I won't be calling you. Specter Specter is a worldwide terrorist organization. Yes, mm. that from old like Sean Connery. Roger oh, Moore, definitely. Uh, well, oh, really? even even George Lazenby days. If right. you want to go way back then, that was like the bad guy that James Bond went after. This whole organization yes. that was trying to Spectre. do things, and, okay. and it went away. Yeah, it always do. They always thing. do. And then now they bring it back, right? And 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 you'll see it because there was always the the, the leader always had this white cat. Guess what? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that cat. guy is creepy. So it's back in the movie. Guess what's back? Yeah, no. Is the cat back? I was reading some reviews out of London because the movie's been out for a week now uh-huh. over there, and they were saying that they were the the people, you know, from the uh, the the film studios were trying to keep it secret who the bad guy was. Okay, I'm like, well, people know. Well, how do you, how if do you, you've watched, any, if, as soon in, as I saw the trailer, I knew yeah. who the bad guy was. You see the cat, and you're like, it's well, the cat. Okay, guy. it's Blofeld. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the, no, this guy is so typecast. Yeah. No, it is Blofeld. It is Blofeld. It is okay. But this guy is also so typecast. As soon as somebody says Chris, Chris, uh, is it Christoph or Chris, Chris right. Waltz? Yeah. As soon as you say he's in a movie, you know who the bad guy is. He looks like him. Yeah. yeah. Is is he bald? No. Okay. Is this the guy that bought the painting? Did you hear about the world's largest cat painting sells to a mystery buyer for eight hundred twenty six thousand dollars? No. So maybe he bought the painting. Could could have. Spectre maybe. has that kind of money. That is true. That's a mess of a painting. 227 pounds, six foot by eight and a half feet. The picture, the painting, it's yeah, this, called My Wife's Lovers. This isn't something you hang over the couch. You get, you get its no. own room for yeah, this Yeah, you need thing. a room for this. And it's cats. And it features 350 cats. There's I'm cats, sorry. 42 of which belong. Are they playing, yeah. are they playing or, poker at least? Yeah, no, no, no. That's what I was saying. You need dogs playing poker. 42 apparently of the cats in the painting are taken from real-life models of cats. These cats exist somewhere. Mm -hmm. Well, Uh, at some point, because it's an old painting. Again, as somebody that has cat allergies, sorry, I wouldn't want that in my house. Do you think that that, that picture has natural dander? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it probably does. They've been rubbing cats against it for days. Let's make this authentic. That's that's why you don't go up and touch the painting, because you'll get shocked. It's one of those things where the artist mixes in the dander into the paint. (laughs) $826,000. Wow. You know, by the way, it's National Donut Day. Do you know how many donuts you could buy for that? That's a lot of donuts. National Donut Day don't doesn't. I think there's usually donut shops that will give you a donut if you walk in today. Well, actually, there's two National Donut Days. One's in I think oh, July, or, July June. or June. Yeah. Oh, there's two. And of then them? today, and so there's a bit of is a, today the less celebrated one might be. So you okay. might not be able to find the donuts at the donut shop for free. I see. Yeah. But it's, I, you know what? It's probably worth trying. But. Yeah, it's a donut. Give it I a shot. I just go in there, say you were listening to the Matt Townsend show, you heard it was National Donut Day, and, and, and that you were giving away free donuts. You're such an authority. I and just you. just see what they say. They'll go, oh, wow, They'll Matt like, Townsend? Oh, Matt, oh, yeah, he's on the board. <laughs> Nobody buys more donuts than Matt. He's guy. on the committee in Congress. So and by the way, it's also Men Make Dinner Day, which Sean is a great – Sean making, makes a lot of what? dinner. I am making dinner tonight. Are you really? Yes. I'm buying dinner tonight. There there you go. I buy dinner. Well, we, we all have our own talents. Yeah, we do. <laughs> We still can't get this mouse. We have one mouse that is dominating our house, and my wife. That rhymed. I know. <laughs> Good job. I've been working Thank on it all Dr. morning. Thank you, Doctor Seuss. And, uh, a mouse and that mouse our is house. such a louse that. But the reality is, my wife's not talking to me. Let Ooh. loose a grouse. Wow. Your wife has resulted. She's not she's, speaking with you. She's. Wow. She's officially shunning me. 
Oh. Until you catch the mouse. And she says, every once in a while, she'll, need, like, she'll lift the shun. She'll say, lifting shun. And then she'll say, you need to kill that mouse if you want you're, to come home. You're tonight. not proving your, the, your ability to protect no. the family, Matt. I can't. I can't. I'm not. My manly Your manlyhood skills. is just gone. Oh, man. She's now bringing other men into the home. Oh. To chase the mouse. Yeah, oh. That, and by the way, you know what their answer is? Well, um, what we need, we got some pellets. <laughs> Yeah, and you, they eat the pellets. Well, you know what? And in about four days, they'll die, and they'll just die. You're you're allergic to what will actually catch the mouse. <laughs> I totally am. I'm like, let's go borrow the neighbor's cat, let him run around the house for a bit. You move out for a couple of days. <sighs> but anyway, she'll listen to the guy that pulls up in a pest control car. I mean, just because the car has a mouse on the roof, is that the one they caught? <laughs> yeah, probably. But she's she's not happy with me. Let's just say that. And now she's listening to this, and now she's doubly mad. Ooh. Okay. But you know what? It's going to make a great show because I'm preparing uh, – I'm doing a big date night on How to Saturday. Catch a mouse? Oh. And it's giving me a lot of content to talk about the differences between husbands and wives. If you have a varmint you need to catch, yeah. talk to Matt Townsend. I can help you through it. I normally – I've been killing mice my whole life. Okay. You know? Computer mice? Oh, actually, gerbils. I gerbils? Could never. I had a lot of pet gerbils, and I could never keep them alive. <laughs> but um, no, I've been key, uh, mice because we had mice. We had a field in our backyard, and anyway, yeah. So I'm here. To, I'm here to change lives. Uh, we've got to do the news. The headlines. Terry, what you got for us? Anything going on around the world? Yes, thanks, Matt. A many controversy is brewing this morning. Ever been to a sporting event? And they have some sort of on-field flag rollout, a Wounded Warriors tribute, or a surprise homecoming of a returning vet. Then you might have been witness to what's called paid patriotism, according to a report issued by Republican uh, Arizona Senator John McCain and Jeff Flake. The military has spent $6.8 million on sports marketing since 2011. The report called such practices inappropriate and frivolous. Overall, the Pentagon has signed 72 contracts with the NFL, Major League Baseball, National Hockey League, and Major League Soccer. While the NFL received the biggest chunk of the funds at $6 million, it has since called for an end to the practice. Fans should have confidence that their hometown heroes are being honored because of their honorable military service, not as a marketing ploy for the military. So it's a recruiting technique. Yes. But so when they wear the the camo jerseys, that's being paid for by the military? The flyovers, all that stuff, the military is is paying the team to do that before the game. Not in every single case. I mean, I guess it's good to do, but we don't need to pay. I mean, I guess I, – I mean, maybe the NFL shouldn't have to pay for the flyover, but they should try to set it up yeah. and want it and do it out of their own good heart, not just – Well, someone has to pay for it. Yeah, somebody's got to pay for the fuel to be in yeah, that. Yeah, but I could see – don't you think, though, the military would love to do that, right? Oh, yeah, as a mar- Apparently as a marketing ploy, yes. <laughs> Well, but you could do it for a parade, and that doesn't have yeah. to be a marketing well, uh, ploy. They're paying for it. They're, they're, there's like $70,000 a game. But that's different than having a representative of the Pentagon trying to drum up business. and. But that's what these end up being. Negotiating where, armor, under yeah, armor it's, it's deals. It's a recruiting tool. It's a recruiting tool to get people interested mm. in the military. So they're, they're calling for these things to stop. In a new national poll from Fox News indicates that Chris Christie may have to be in the undercard round for the next GOP debate oh, next boy. week. Fox Business Network has made it a prerequisite that candidates have an average of at least 2.5% in the four most recent polls conducted through November 4th. 
uh, through for the November 10th event, Christie polled at only 2% in a Fox News poll on Wednesday night, putting his average oh. at 2.25. George Pataki and Bobby Jindal are at this point disqualified from either debate. Oh, you know what? This is going to get ugly <laughs> because now you're going to have an angry Chris Christie shredding the undercard yeah. <laughs> division. Just ticked off. This is, is where this, they're all going to start bailing out. So the out. undercard, is that the debate before the main event? Uh-huh. That's so the, it's the like kid, a boxing The, the kids' table. table. The yeah. kids' table. Yeah. yeah. But there. now you've got a Chris Christie that's going to feel snubbed. This is where they're all just going to start dropping. Yes. They need to Either drop literally out. or figuratively. Yeah. Christie's going to – Just thin the field. We can focus on those That's the people. way out. If you can get everyone in the undercard to just go away, then they'll have to move Christie up. Mm. Just depends. Christie's got some friends in Jersey that can take care of that. We were talking earlier about Ben Carson. I know a guy here that can take you. It can can help you, how? You know? We were talking about Ben Carson. I'll give you his number. Ben's got a book, he said. It's not a new book. Yeah, his is in 1990, it was released. But I think they re released it in a different form. Gifted Hands, the Ben Carson story. He's out signing books and doing these. So uh, CBS News ran up against him. It says, when asked if he still believes. In the pyramid theory that he outlined in a 1998 commencement speech, Carson told CBS News, it's still my belief, yes. BuzzFeed posted the speech. Carson delivered at Andrews University, a college founded by Seventh-day Adventists. He says, my own personal theory is that Joseph built the pyramids to store grain. Huh. He says, now all the archaeologists think that they were made for the pharaoh's graves, but, you know, it would, have, it would have to be something awfully big if you stop and think about it. And I don't think it would just disappear over the course of time to store that much grain. Huh. While the theory that pyramids were used to, as grain silos was floated in the 6th century, the Atlantic reports that it's long been debunked because the pyramids don't actually have, they have tiny, they don't have tiny openings and they aren't hollow. Yeah, they're not like They're a big, full of rooms and like hallways. And they've found places where, you know, yeah. the pharaohs buried. They found their tombs. Mm. And that's, you know, he's so just, he's looking you know, at He's just reading a magazine from the 6th century. <laughs> it, I don't why know. Why can't they be for both? Yeah. Why I bet there was, I bet there was a little grain in the pyramid. Uh, Probably. You know, a couple ounces. I mean, there's somewhere, there's this little, little bucket of grain. Well, there were offerings along with the bodies. See, there you go. There you go. So they had, yeah. But enough to be a grain silo? No, as he's he's referring to it as. I don't See, this know. is the problem. Once you're the he- once you're the lead, everyone's going to start Look, chewing on your hill. I'm sorry, at but speeches you made 20 years ago. Is that really something that we need to worry about for a presidential candidate? You know what? Not unless he's planning to move grain somewhere. Unless he's going to be building pyramids in town. No. Personal beliefs of a candidate. You know what? I'm. How far does he want to go? But with think things? about that. If they were asking you what you believed 20 years ago, right? I thought I could fly. Oh, I thought there were little men in my stomach that processed my food. <laughs> you still think that? I know. So I gotta go. I gotta go it's feed like, my little men in my. It's belly. like that. I love Lucy episode where they're stomping grapes. Yeah, that's what's going on. That's what's going on. Yeah, that's there. why he kind of feels kind of weird. That's why. Anyway, good, uh, interesting, interesting news. I'm telling you. Well, there's sometimes it's not good to be the leader. Then everyone starts to beat you up. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Heather Ann Johnson Hadge will be joining us. Uh, she is our uh, resident expert on getting your family active and healthy and happy. Today we'll be talking about kids and their practicing, how to get your kids to practice their sports, their music, without using techniques of fear. We'll talk about it. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Our uh, next guest is Heather Johnson, a.k.a. Hadge. And uh, Heather Ann Johnson is uh, a professor here at Brigham Young University. She's an adjunct faculty member, has been doing that for 12 years, where she teaches students the principles behind successful families and the importance of families spending time together. She also has a website if you go to familyvolley.com. And uh, you can find her on Twitter at Pen and Paper Girl. Wow, you're everywhere. <laughs> and you wrote a book called Family Fun Fridays. Family Fun Fridays. Yep. Lots of fun activities for your family. And we, we need your help because in order to have a healthy child, it seems like there's a permanent fight that happens with every parent and their child that you have to somehow get them to do their practicing or their they have to go to practice they have to do their piano right it's 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 i think this i think god wanted us to suffer he, he set it up that way yeah. right he gave us these talents that we can magnify and uh-huh. said but to get them you got to practice miserable life experience to get that's them, right. right and he, he also gave us agency <clears throat> and choice and freedom and then when they all combine and this you know 8 year old thinks they have agency right and they we don't realize, yeah, then they want to exercise it. So the, it is universal then, right? Absolutely. Okay. So and it's not just us. No, no. It's every household all the time. Okay, good. And so we're going to talk about it a little bit. Interestingly enough, when this comes up in class, you should hear students. I mean, we're talking 21 <laughs> to 30-year-olds, right, yeah. who have so much to say about how miserable it was. To Usually it's piano first. They it's all always say, piano. Oh, the piano, right? Oh. So we want to recognize a couple things as parents first. We want to recognize that this is much bigger than the piano okay, or yeah. much bigger than soccer. When we help our children participate in let's, – let's call them extracurricular activities. Right. Let's do that. Okay. When we help them participate in these things, they are developing life skills that they need forever. This is so much bigger than simply being able to read notes and play a piano. Okay. If we can, so true. If we can keep that in the back yeah. of our minds – it changes the conflict a little bit because we realize, oh, wait, it's not just about if you can play that measure correctly five times in a row. Mm-hmm. This is about you learning a lot of other things, right? right? Right, And so everything from your time management to your priorities to your self-confidence to being able to you know, uphold when you set a goal, all of this is coming into play. So we've got to remember that. The other thing that will help right from the get-go for parents is if we let go of the practice makes perfect. Yeah, blow that up. We hear that. We've heard it our whole lives. Right. We hear it everywhere. The fact is we want to change it to practice makes us better. I like that. Okay. So no more practice makes perfect because, for one, we're never going to be perfect, any of us, ever, at the piano or anything else. Might we become really, really good? Sure. Maybe. Maybe. But maybe not. But see, so practice makes us better is a better phrase you are saying yes. than practice or you will die. That's exactly right. Or you'll never see daylight, right? right? Which is kind of That's what right. we start to do. Yes. So let's stick with practice makes us better. And let's not only say it to our kids, but we have to believe mm-hmm. it ourselves, right? We have to let go of perfection yeah. and say it's okay because remember, there's a lot of other things we're learning here. But see, but can't you just – you can play your song perfect. Right. <laughs> you can play it perfectly. Just play it. You know, Just say it. It's, it's not a big deal. Just – you. Do it. 
It's exactly right. I hear it every day. And we just – we get very frustrated when it doesn't come perfect. And we get frustrated also because we see it as a hindrance to what we need to do as parents. So I'm sitting there thinking I have dinner to make. I have a baby who needs fed. I have this and that. But our seven-year-old isn't practicing fast enough or good enough. Right, right, right. right. And so we have to realize if we're going to buy into – a musical instrument, or if we're going to buy into a sport, then we have to recognize the need for our participation too. I have to practice patience if I want our kids to mm, play the piano. Totally. I do. That's yeah. just part of it. So we're so quick to say, wait, this is on you. Figure it yeah. out and get it right. No. Really, though, we play a huge role in this. Well, and developmentally, a seven-year-old is so different than a 12-year-old. Absolutely. So you have to see each child differently, right? Right. And each step differently. There's going to be more buy-in for us when they're younger. That's yeah. going to change a little bit when they're older. So let's talk about the fact that we can push too hard. Oh, yeah. Let's because we that. can. Parents You mean push, our, our spouse can. Right. Our spouse can. That's exactly right. We can push much too hard as parents. Yeah. We tend to have an agenda – And this is what I hear from students so much. They say to me, oh, Sister Johnson or Mrs. Johnson, they'll say, my dad played football, so he made me play football. Uh, And they'll say, I can't stand football. And so they start to tell me about how they had to play for 20 years all because their dad had this dream that their son would play football. Interesting, And so parents start to push their own agenda and force their kids to do things simply because their dream of having a daughter who danced yeah. or a pianist. Plays in the NFL. It's exactly right. And so we have to step back and let go of that. Now, we've had to do this with our son. He's our oldest, and it's really hard. I'll be the first to say that when he was born, and our daughters too, I had a vision of what I thought they would do. Right, right? president the, of the United it's States. It's exactly right. Make a lot of money, do this <laughs> and that. But really, with these extracurricular activities, you know, I was involved in a lot of things in high school. So my thought was naturally... Well, you're going to play the same yeah, things you'll I want did, to play right? Tennis. You're going to ex- everyone wants to play tennis. Oh, well, who wouldn't? Right? <laughs> it's a, such a perfect sport. So you're going to do those things I wanted to yeah, do, right? Exactly. Now, on the flip side, we've, we've got my husband who also sees things a certain way, and it's yeah. like, well, I played football and I did that. Yeah. Don't tennis, you want to do that? Tennis is for sissies. Right? <laughs> and then, ironically enough, we've got grandparents and yeah. uncles who all did. And so, I really did think that he would follow very identical paths. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, we have him and we put him in little league because baseball, you know, and we start playing tennis, and he doesn't love it. And I don't understand wh- right. what? what really. And so, we have to take a step back from our agenda and say, okay. What is important here? What's important is that you choose something active, not that it's tennis or football. You want movement. Right. And so we have to go to our value system. And this is where we, again, sit down with our spouse or ourselves and we decide, where do our values lie, our beliefs lie with this type of thing, Mm. with extracurricular activities? What is it? So, for example, in our home, our children need to play an instrument. I believe in it. I know it teaches them good things. I want them to have to buckle down and do that. That's powerful. Plus, I know what it can do for them in the future. Simple, basic. Any instrument, but they need to learn it. That's the difference. Instead of it being piano because I played piano. Right. Right? It's you choose the instrument. What what if they want to play drums? See, now then we're back to <laughs> our own belief system, right? Yeah, like, oh, because that's, that's, that's going to lead them to drugs. It, it, drugs, immediately. Drugs yeah. At equal drugs. At least ibuprofen, <laughs> right? No, for me, it's going to oh, yeah. lead me to that's drugs exactly is what right. it's going to do. That's right. And so this is, again, the way I like to explain it is think of it as a path and decide how wide or narrow this path is mm. going to be, right? right? And so for us, narrow that in. 
If our path includes drums, great. If it doesn't, then that's okay too. Yeah. But find this path, put in it everything that you're comfortable with underneath your values and your belief system, right? Yeah. If you believe that drums lead to drugs, you're probably not going to put it in your right. pathway. It's not going to be there. <laughs> right. That's right. See, and, and for a kid, it's, it just might be what he thinks is cool. But right. in a weird way, if he thinks it's cool – He'll do it. He will. He'll participate. So let him do what he thinks is cool. Right. So we have to practice what we preach. We have to not be hypocrites. We have to say, if we're going to say, wait, it's all about you choosing a musical instrument, you get to choose. Well, we better be aware that it could be drums or it could be piano. That's right. And we have to be okay with that. Or piccolo. It could be be the harmonica. Oh, that is a great instrument. (laughs) Then you could play the blues. Don't you think? That would be really cool. It's like the perfect instrument. Then you'd have to have the drums, though. Oh, my heavens. Okay, we've (laughs) got to take a break. We're speaking with Hadge, Heather Ann Johnson. She really knows. Can you tell? She knows what she's talking about. She not only has kids, and she's had to force them. No, force is a bad word. She's used these techniques, these science, these these witchcraft-like techniques to get her kids to uh, effectively grow and take advantage of the opportunities in life. We'll take a break, come back, continue discussing uh, your children, practicing. How do you motivate uh, instead of force your kids to, to do healthy things? We'll take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, adjunct faculty member Heather Ann Johnson is joining us on the show right now. She's talking to us about your child um, and how how you motivate your children to practice without using force, fear, or tasers. It's a hard thing. We want it's nasty. Oh, we want so badly that they just love it. And again, I've had one child that loved it and just took off. Right. Another one that didn't and then quit. Another one that didn't love it. So we said, okay, we're not going to keep paying if you're not going to practice. And then he on his own figured out his own way and plays everything by ear. Oh, wow. And actually makes a living doing it. So I have two kids, two of my first three kids make livings. Right. Off of music. Off of music. And then the other just feels like a quitter because we didn't push him hard <laughs> enough, he thinks. But every child does it differently. Well, and those are really great examples because you can see even with your son, it was more the mode of transportation uh-huh. it was the mode that was of it. no good. That's right? right. And so once he could take his own path towards what it is you wanted him to do and he wanted to do, he went that path and he went for it. And that's something we don't realize. You know, we get stuck as parents in it has to look this, this way, way. This way. And be this way. And usually it's because it's the way we uh-huh. did it. Heaven forbid there's yeah. another way to go about this. I still right? have people that come up to my son. I mean, who's who's had songs in movies right. and has songs in – it makes a, makes some good money doing it. And they still come up to him and they say, you know, you really need to learn to read music right. still. <laughs> right. And I think, oh, my word. Sure. No, I mean, it would be great. Sure, and sure. It would, and unicorns, if we could ride them to work, would be fantastic. It, it would be. And why why ruin that for right. him, right? Let him because, just figure it out. Right. Well, and it goes back to the whole reason he stopped in the first place was that he had to look at that. That's right. It, it doesn't make sense in their head or That's in right. his head that way. So instead, he found the way that it did make sense and then found a passion for it. And so if we are going to push this agenda, if we're going to be pushy as parents, we better find a way 
right, to be more creative in helping them enjoy it. Especially today, right? That lies on us. If we're going to push, if we're going to say you have to, then we better get really creative so this is a positive Mm -hmm. experience instead of a negative one. There are so many ways. They can go on YouTube now and learn and learn and learn. My kids fell in love with it because it was the minute we started having them play songs that they knew. Right, that they liked, right? When they were all playing classical music, they didn't catch on. So we bought them a book that was all Disney songs. Right. And holy cow, it, you'd think Off that we went. had just you know, made them a billion dollars because they were so happy. Well, and even that tactic works, tactic kind of has a negative connotation. Even that mode, right? That trick. Works, let's that, call it a trick. Let's call it even better. <laughs> works even really well. Things like children who struggle to read. A lot of time we just don't get down to what the problem is. Mm-hmm. So, for example, a child who's struggling to read, it's usually because they don't enjoy or understand what they're reading, right. especially with boys. So all of a sudden you let them choose the books and now it's on Space Invaders right. or – so what? Who cares? They're we, reading. They're reading. And that's back to the extracurricular also. Choose your path. Figure out what fits in that path according to your needs and values of your family. And then allow them to choose. Yeah. And if you say it's an instrument, then be open to letting them choose that. What do you think if it's – like I have a child that uh, plays, played football one year, broke his arm. Right. Then didn't want to play it, kind of sensed up a little bit about it and then got some social pressure to play it. And sure. he came and said, I really want to play football this year. And we're all like, Ugh, I'm not sure you'll really like it. Right. Cause, and we read him right. right. And he doesn't love it. Like really, really doesn't love it. Right. But w- the rule is, well, you finish. If we start something, we finish. And that's a season and you've made a promise to your team. So um, you don't want to dissuade them. I mean, you want, but it's another year of, torture for them. Right. And so we have to evaluate in that situation. We have to look at it and decide, first of all, I don't want to tell you you can't if you're if you're pushing for it, even when we know better. Right, right, right. right. How many times did our parents know full well the outcome and they right. let us learn the lesson anyway, right? And so in those situations, yes, we have to let them learn the lesson as long as we know that physically and psychologically it's not going to hurt them. Yeah. So if we know that that's the case, then it's okay. Now, right along with this, we're talking about quitting, right? Yeah, Which quitting. is really what kids want to do that's when right. they don't like it. They want to quit. And so before we let them quit, we don't want to just throw in the towel immediately. We want to realize that there is a problem and figure out what that problem is. They don't want to quit for no reason. Right. There's something underlying mm-hmm. it, just like with anything. And so what we're going to do is we're going to try really hard to identify what that problem is. Now, if we just say, hey, what's the problem or why don't you like it or you have to go, it's every Tuesday, That's you right. know this, yeah. right? That's not going to get us the answers we need. So taking a step back and first acknowledging their feelings, if we can validate this is how you feel and I accept that, they will open up to questions that come next. Think about it. Isn't that the same in our marriages, in our friendships? We're constantly looking for that validation. Once we're accepted, we're willing to speak up about something. So once we do, then we want to ask some gathering information questions. Really basic things like, I thought you liked soccer. What's changed? Mm-hmm. Right, so we're we're stating what it yeah. what we know. Yeah, we, you told me you like soccer. Right. What's changed? Right, and so the same even with your son. Hey, I, I thought you wanted to play football. Yeah, what's changed? And they can start to assess in their own minds. Right, other questions like, Hey, what what part of baseball are you struggling with? Mm-hmm. And so they can assess. Well, I really like to play the sport. It's my coach I'm struggling with. And they start to put those things together. Or what solution do you think we could come up with that will help you enjoy? piano again. And now they're thinking the same things. When they sit on that bench and it hurts their legs or something, uh-huh. like, or I'm always hungry when I have to practice, they can think, 
well, if you let me eat first, I wouldn't be so ornery. Right, right. Those are very simple things. But that's the reality of why our children back out of And the answers you're saying are in them. So instead of lecturing them, just ask them. Right. And remember, too, anytime we can come up, adult or child, with our own solutions – there's not a, use it. right. They'll step forward, and there's ownership in that. So if we can put forth just the right questions, then that ownership will come. We just gotta shush up. We, we gotta quiet down and let them. We talk way too much as parents. Oh, we do. It drives me crazy. And so it's really important if they do want to quit, though, and you've observed everything about them, and you know full well that there's no danger, there's no harm. We're back to the physical and psychological, right? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, children in dance, because of body image, there's a legitimate need for them to step out of that. Yeah, yeah. If we've made sure that none of those things are present, it is perfectly fine to say to a child, you committed to this, you can quit or not quit. You can stop when the season is over. Or you committed to a year of piano, when that year's over, then they can go ahead and stop. But allowing them when there's no damage taking place right. to just quit cold turkey no, yeah. teaches them – they don't ever develop that That's not how power. life works, is it? It isn't. But, we, but you can quit, but then we go back to the principle. And yet everyone in this family is learning an instrument. That's exactly right. So where will we go next? And that's how we end with a replacement. We believe in you know something physical and something musical. So if it's not going to be piano and soccer – then you're going to need to go find or explore what it's going to and be. Ca- and you can also overdo this, right? So right. physical meaning the highest level of competition for a nine-year-old soccer team. Right. right. That might be a lot. It's exactly right. And realize we can make this fun. This is only miserable because for generations we've been told it has to be miserable. <laughs> right. It doesn't. Oh, yeah. Make it look like your example with your son. Make it look like whatever it needs to. So mm-hmm. this is fantastic for them. But that's going to come from us as parents. Yeah. Uh, even little things like, especially with musical instruments, we hear it over and over. Practice 30 minutes. Practice 30 minutes. Well, instead of focusing on that clock and 30 wasted minutes, because all our kids do is watch it, right? Come up with a different way to do it. For example, maybe it's, hey, today you need to learn six measures of music. Yeah. If that only takes 12 minutes, let them go play. You set a goal. They accomplished the goal. Right. Who cares if it took 30 minutes or 12? The goal has been accomplished. That's a very different way to look at practicing. That's beautiful. Then if it's on the clock, yeah. misery, let those things go. <laughs> let's, let's figure out a way to make these positive experiences so these life skills stick with them in the long run instead of miserable every day pounding our heads oh. against keyboards. And um, – my greatest thing that ever happened with my kids is I would just – I'd go into Sarah and I'd, I'd just sit on the floor while she's playing the piano and I'd say, play me something. Be there. And she – so to this day, that's what – like she even wants that from her husband. Why don't you ever just come right. in and sit and listen to me play? <laughs> and he looks like, and goes, Because the game's Matt. on. Thanks, but, Matt. <laughs> but it's – so that right there makes them – now they're already performing. My son does it. My, and every one of them. In, if one of them is just going to go dribble the ball. Absolutely. Let's just go be a part of it and then we can make it fun again. Yeah. Don't leave, Don't drop them off and abandon them. If mm. Even just sitting in the same room, it's just like cleaning. A room, right? If yeah. we sit in our kids' room while they clean, totally, you don't have to pick totally up the shirts. Different. They will. See, that. Hadge, you know it. Hather, uh, go check out Hadge's book. I keep calling you Hadge. It's okay. It's it's endearing now, right? It, it is. It fits what we do. Hadge. Yeah. You're soaking in it. You're soaking in it. <laughs> A flashback to the 60s <laughs> and the 50s, even. Family Fun Fridays is the name of Heather's book, and you can go find it at familyvolley.com. Good stuff, Heather. Thanks again. You're the bomb. We'll take a break, folks. Come back. Visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. 
Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to shoot it down to our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton and Michael Alisa are hanging out, getting ready for their show today. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Matthew. Hello. And I literally am getting ready for my show right now. What are you doing right now? I am applying He's... something called Mac Studio Fix to my <laughs> under eyes. He's putting on makeup. Is that is it. so not manly. I'm watching him put on foundation. They should be. Are they? Are they filming this? They need to be videoing or this every day, man. Every day. I don't. I'm confident, bro. Do you He's know what? Paying off the camera guy though, because this never sees Twitter or anything. Let me just tell you though, not to brag. I just went and bought some more Mac makeup, uh, and I'm not even on TV. Okay, see now that that's a problem. Okay. I use it for the radio. It makes me sound better, deeper voice. <laughs> no, so I but I had to go buy We're some. I buy it. I do local TV here. Yeah, don't you do something with KSL? Yeah, once yeah. a week. And uh-huh. the thing is, I you know I don't get recognized much, but I walk up to the Mac counter, and the person working at the Mac counter, a male, totally recognized me, <laughs> and loves my segments. And I'm like, hey, great! And he helped me get the right. Makeup. What was, shade? What shade of Mac I, makeup do you? I just oh know the gosh, number. The number is like a. I think Everybody it's forty-five. And oh, you NC forty-five. Yeah. I'm looking at the back of mine right now. NC forty. Guys, are you forty? Yeah, Man. listen. Am I darker listen. than you? Listen, this is Both part of, of you television. Turn this in your Mac card. Of television, Michael, Elisa. I don't wear any makeup. Now, no, but you should. But uh, let, let's be uh, real. Uh, <laughs> oh, but you should, Michael. Ouch! You look horrible. <laughs> Like, you look dreadful today. That is so bad. Someone okay, will go on the but, wrong side of the bed. But Spencer, this is where – what what body makeup do you wear? I, I don't. I, literally, you don't do your Mac abs? studio fix. No, I, I, did, I thought it was a joke. When I got into TV, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I, what? Right, seriously, I have to wear makeup? No, it's horrible. Like, well, well, you secretly, you're like excited. If you don't want to yeah. shine like the sun under those <laughs> studio lights, then yes, you need to wear something that mats your skin. That's right. That's right. Do you, do you put Vaseline on your on your teeth too? I do not. What the? I do not do that. Do you ever tape your body up like they do on the pageants? Oh, the. Uh, <laughs> the I have no need to the, tape the, anything yeah, on my body. Em, okay. Em. Yeah, this is a good one. Do you wear Spanx? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Either do I. I just know about oh, all of this. Wait, hey, what are what are Spanx, man? Uh, I'll explain it later. Okay. I shaved today. Oh, you did. Oh, yeah. uh, is your beard gone? Michael oh. looks like he's 17. All Holy gone. cow! I wish we we used to have the video feed. We're not we're not using that anymore. No, he doesn't. He actually looks, he's he's a guy that can get away with both with the beard no. look and the shaving. Are you look. Don't try to Michael's come on a, a nice stud. guy anymore. You told me I needed makeup. Well, you do, but you're still a yeah. Stud. You're still a handsome guy, but who doesn't need makeup <laughs> under studio lights? Yeah, totally. Oh man. Hey, um, you guys, have you been watching the Warriors play? Stephen uh, Curry is a really good basketball player. Are you player, kidding though. me? They are incredible. Yep. I'm in love with them. I can't stop watching yep. the Warriors. You got a mirror right there. 
Apparently, Mike, Michael's not it. paying attention. He's just paying attention to me with my, my brush. I'm, I'm watching. <laughs> he's he's got to apply his makeup stuff. He has a tiny little mirror in front of his face, and like the camera's zoomed in right on his we face. We should be so periscoping look at this, this TV screen, not at the little tiny Let's mirror talk about hand. the Warriors, Matt. The Warriors <laughs> are incredible, and the speed of their game, unbelievable. And oh, they, they, then, then uh, Steph Curry just puts up 30 or whatever in a quarter, 20 in a quarter, and then he just sits down for a quarter. It's amazing. He reminds me of you guys. He is smooth. Tell you, he is he is one of the main reasons that basketball has emerged again, mm-hmm. along with LeBron James into the superstar era. Like it's getting back to that feel that I had when I was a little kid. Yeah, when there was Carl Malone and Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Charles Barkley and Larry Bird. Like we have that star power again in the NBA. It's about time. Seriously. And, and he's principle-centered. I love it. He brings his daughter out, and it's family-oriented again, and it's safe. Oh, he's a good dude. I he's love a guy it. that's you know close to God and, and is not afraid to talk about mm-hmm. it. And, and the team around him. It's, has a good time. He's yeah. fun. I love it. Yeah. It's good, it's good to be alive right now. It's hard to mm-hmm. dislike Stephen Curry. All right. I mean, my son pretends to, but he can't. Because there's nothing mean to say. How do you dislike yeah. that No, he, guy? he loves him. He just, he, he's just teasing my other son. People are like, well, he's like Michael Jordan. No, he's nothing no. like Michael Jordan. No. Other no. than, I mean, they both score a lot of points, but yeah. Yeah. And personas are totally different. He shoots a three. He reminds me of me when I was a kid, just how he shoots that three. You know? Great hair. The deep three. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, ask Stephen Curry if he wears makeup during his photo shoots for Express. and Every for day he does. His shoe oh, deals and his endorsements. Goodness. Yeah, he does. See, Look, Steph Curry can do whatever he wants. <laughs> this is he the could, difference. He could wear a Spanx if he wanted to. This He's is the difference. He's still ultimate man. Um, but see, I wear body makeup, but it doesn't – my abs jiggle still because I'll, like, I'll make up oh, my wait, abs. Wait, wait, wait. And then, but my abs still jiggle. I now I know, like Michael's got abs. What? No, I don't. But I, I by shading, I shade my abs. Oh wait, so I do like spray tans? Is that what we're ish, talking about here? Ish, and then I draw lines on my belly, <laughs> and we pretend like those are abs. And then I shade it a bit, and it looks like they're ripped. Is this for your catalog pictures? Uh huh, and other things. Hey, um, really quick hey, for any future success of your show, yeah, I would highly recommend that we end this segment like right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but let, let's before we before we end it, let's get to what you guys are doing on your show. Oh yeah, the purpose. Yeah, yeah, what, purpose of this. What 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 are you? You're going to still do your show? Absolutely, we are. Okay, it's going to be emotional. Okay, it's going to be high energy, ab filled. Tears will be shed. And I'll tell you this, Matt. There will be. Have guests. you ever heard of the the moniker or the the old adage that beware the trap game? Yes, no, but yes, I've heard of the trap game. Have you heard the song? So trap generally, Queen? okay, generally speaking, when you have a big name opponent coming up and okay. you're facing a team, yeah, right in front of you that you should beat on paper and they're not very good, and sometimes you can fall into a trap and the games get weird. That's right. Okay, so I've heard that a number of times this week. Hey, beware San Jose State. Trap game for BYU football. Ooh. I'm not buying it, dude. You're not buying it. No. It's not a trap. No. Good. And I will tell you exactly. Total trap. Why? On the show. It is not a trap game. I'm going to tell you why this is definitely a trap game. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is going to be a showdown. Dude, it's about to go down. This is good. This is good. the jungle. See, good. So we've, we've stirred the pot a little bit. Spencer's already all mic'd up, all makeuped up. Yep, got my Mac makeup. Michael's all uh, jazzed up. He's got his abs painted shave, on. Shave. Clean shaven. Clean like shaven. A baby's bottom. 
<laughs> it's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> okay, guys. It's going to be a great show. Uh, and apparently there will be a baby's bottom. Uh, nice and clean and smooth on Michael's face. <laughs> That has yeah. a whole different ring to it because I've been yeah. changing diapers lately. So um, <laughs> anyway, guys, have a great show. Thanks, we'll sir. talk uh, again tomorrow. Knock them dead. Go Take team. Take care. Thanks. See you. Bye. Bye. It's a trap. That's cool. Man. Steph Curry. Seriously. Have you seen – have you been watching any of that, Sean? I have not gotten into basketball yet this year. He's amazing. I've been doing too many movies. <laughs> I know you're movied out. You're movied out. Hey, at this uh, point, I want let me just run through a few stories that uh, you have. You maybe have heard, maybe you haven't heard about yet. Um, this is crazy. An Arizona grandfather, unbelievable. Listen to this, has been arrested and accused of leaving his five-year-old granddaughter alone in the desert with a loaded and cocked forty-five caliber handgun. How old? Five. Hey, sweetie. Yeah, Grandpa's gonna run into town and grab some things. Um, you just hold this gun, okay? Don't point it at anybody. But the, here was the instruction. You need to shoot any bad guys. So if any bad guys come up, shoot them. Okay. Paul Armand Raider, 53, was booked into Fourth Avenue Jail in downtown Phoenix on suspicion of two counts of felony child abuse, one count of felony child endangerment. Um, holy cow. Stemming from an accident on Sunday night, deputies said... He and the child left their home in Buckeye about 30 miles west of Phoenix in a pickup truck early on Sunday afternoon, and the girl was reported missing four hours later. She was eventually located at the de- in the desert by her mother and, and an off-duty firefighter. Wow. The child was holding the powerful f- uh, pistol. She ha- was given the gun and was told to shoot any bad guys, Maricopa County Sheriff Joe uh, Arpaio said. Arpaio. Arpaio said, uh, told Reuters that by phone. He said, I don't know how the five-year-old can tell a good guy from a bad guy. Black hat. Come on. Oh, that's right. Shoot anyone wearing a black hat. Um, any cowboy movie will show that. Yeah, or any Spurs fan wearing a black hat is dead. But that's what she told the police. Raider was then located at a store where he told deputies the vehicle had broken down. He had left the girl under the tree in the desert because she was complaining she could not walk anymore. Holy cow. He went for drinks and cheeseburgers. Jeez. Anyway, so just, you know, watch after your kids, for heaven's sakes. And also uh, a little toilet paper inequality. you got to listen to this. Um, As exposés go, it may not rank up there with the Pentagon Papers, but student journalists have captured the attention of Ryerson University in Canada with their coverage of um, a toilet paper showdown. Under the headline, two-ply toilet paper creates two-tiered Ryerson. The Ryerson eye-opener reported that the bathrooms throughout the university are stocked with one-ply. The exception, the newspaper said, is in two floors at the administration building where the offices and the president and the provost and the vice president all have their offices. And in those offices, they have two-ply. Oh, do they have their own bathroom in their office? They have probably, maybe not, but they have his and her. I mean, they, it's not, uh, they have two-ply, one-ply. It's discrimination. Okay. Students deserve two-ply. Students unite. I can see placards already. <laughs> they're pasting anyway, all over campus. They're now making, um, they're making everybody, uh, it's creating quite a stir on campus. And officials did not dispute the findings. Uh, you know, you, you are accurate, but and now what they're trying to do is get two-ply for the rest of the employees at the alumni relations and in other departments, but they're not sure they'll get it to the kids yet, the students. 
Okay. You know. Sad story. Hey, as we wrap it up, we always, as you know, like to uh, tell a little hero story. And our hero of the day is dollar store security guard Chris Zambrata. And uh, he's a hired security guard, and he helps nab an Iron Man dollar store robber. Listen to this. After a series of dollar store robberies had been committed by a man wearing an Iron Man mask, Chris Zambrata was hired to provide armed security for the chain. Just moments later, Iron Man showed up again. Security footage shows the man approach the cashier and asks for the money. After noticing Zambrata, the, the man tries to leave but gets knocked back. He uh, leaves using another door, then runs away. Zambrata was not allowed to follow the man, but was able to provide a specific description of the suspect to police who found a man a mile down the road. Iron Man was identified as Bruce Hill, was arrested and formally charged with four counts of robbery, one count of armed robbery. Zambrata is a soldier with the Indiana National Guard, an Iraq War vet, and a security guard for PH3, which is a veteran-owned company that employs veterans. Zambrata says PH3 offers him an opportunity to continue to serve using the skills, the training, and the muscle memory I have applied here at home to protect our own citizens. It also uh, is better when you can actually do your job and you can see the difference on other people's faces that are out there. Cool stuff. So, Chris Zambrata, you are hero of the day on the Matt Townsend Show. That's the show, my friends. Three hours. We're here every day, Monday through Friday. Again, 9 to noon Eastern time. You can also catch us on iTunes. Tune in. You can go to byuradio.org. You can follow us on Twitter. Follow me on Facebook. We're everywhere, folks. Again, we can't do it without you. We'll be back tomorrow. More ideas, more tools to help you find the good in the world. Until tomorrow, look after each other and make it a great one. We'll talk again tomorrow.